is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to our first edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for 2023. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. And we've got a very busy show today. Of course, it is game night. Calgary Flames, Winnipeg Jets tonight. We'll check in on the visitors with Pat Steinberg. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press is going to jump on with us as well. And we're going to have to talk Connor Bedard. Chris Peters is going to jump on first up and talk about that insane ending to the corner final matchup with Canada being put on the broad shoulders of number 16, the consensus number one pick for the upcoming NHL draft. And uh, well, some Canadian history last night, not to mention smashing uh, Jordan Eberle and Eric Lindros's Canadian junior records at the same time. Um, so we will get to all of that. Obviously, we will start off talking about a uh, horrible, horrible incident last night on Monday Night Football in the middle of one of the biggest and most hyped games we've had in the NFL in a very long time. We'll do that in a second when we get Michael Remus in here. But hope you had a great New Year's. Welcome to 2023 on WST. And a big Happy New Year and thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including the great support from our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club Whiskey, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and the gang down at Not Auto Corp. Let's get Michael Remus in here. Remo, Happy New Year to you, my friend. How was uh, how was a free few days off for you? Yes. Happy New Year. Um, okay, my son has this strange habit of getting sick uh, at New Year's, and this is our third year in a row with him, so we actually had to cancel out of our plans and stay home so uh it was still good nice to spend some time with the family uh, a lot of time inside but i didn't get out i got to the zoo lights um january 1st was awesome pretty cool i would recommend recommend that for a winter activity oh by the way uh, first of all shout out to winnipeg walter if you missed the finale of the marbles tournament of champions it was walter who took it down and walter now has winnipeg walter 2022 Marvel champion in his profile in the chat. Uh, and Christopher Met has said, Walter, I I heard Walter's win was still under review for Marvel PEDs. Did the results come in over the weekend? We can tell you that Walter has passed all of the tests. The Marvel was not juiced. And uh, honestly, thanks to everyone that participated. That was so much fun. We'll have some more fun with Marvels coming up in 2023. And a special thanks to uh, Joe and the gang over at Consolidated Supply for making that happen. If you're lucky, maybe Walter will take you to a bomber game next year. And uh, Walter will get in touch in the next week or so and make arrangements for your Winnipeg Blue Bomber season tickets. Um, We're going to spend most of the time, though, today uh, talking hockey. Big one tonight for the Jets. couple of interesting moves. We're going to hear from Rick Bonus in a second. But would remiss if we didn't start off with what happened last night in Monday Night Football. And Remo, listen, we're sports fans, football fans. We love the game. Um, we love the fact that it is as competitive and hard-hitting as it is, but it is also a very dangerous game. And listen, we don't have all the details right now as far as where, uh, you know, exactly what happened. Um, but I think it's safe to say 
that that was one of the scariest scenes we've seen in professional sports in a long, long time. And um, Damar Hamlin is in the thoughts of everyone right now as he sits in a Cincinnati hospital in a critical condition. Um, you know, there there were so many things about that game that was huge. Um, you know, the implications to the playoff races, fantasy, all that stuff. And almost in an incident, all uh, all that became completely secondary or frankly irrelevant. And, um, you know, I know this is an unprecedented time and a situation for the National Football League with where they are in the schedule. Uh, they have announced that there will be no resumption of the game at any point this week. The Week 18 schedule goes forward. Um, but honestly, all that will be figured out in time. Not that the NFL has a lot of time to do it, but they'll have to figure it out in the best and fairest way to all the teams and parties. Um, but listen, the entire sporting world, I think right now, just thinking and uh, if you're a believer, praying that um, DeMar Hamlin will be uh, will somehow be uh, be OK. Um, basically, this was cardiac arrest on the field. And, you know, and I know you mentioned this, you know, we were chatting earlier. I mean, in hockey has had a few of these instances and, you know, 30 years ago when defibrillators weren't available uh, or weren't, you know, mandatory at all of these rinks. Um, we've seen this end in the most tragic way possible. Um, and listen, this is still a tragedy. I mean, the the effect, you really saw how real it was last night when you saw the looks on the players' faces, um, you know, during this delay. Come back to commercial, leave, back to commercial again. I mean, I think it was pretty clear that something incredibly serious was was happening because listen there's serious injuries that happen all the time that is just sort of part of the game this was on a whole nother level and um we're now in a situation where you know as nfl fans as sports fans we're hoping for the well-being of an individual to survive this um and as i said there's a whole bunch of other answer, unanswered questions we do talk about sports we don't have any of those answers right now other than nothing's going to be done focusing on on uh Undemar Hamlin and uh, man, it was a pretty horrifying way to get into 2022-2023 as far as uh, what we saw last night. Yeah, incredibly scary moment watching that game and seeing a player collapse. And you're thankful that the medical professionals were able to go in and uh, you know administer CPR right away, get him in the hospital. Um, the updates were that he was they put out the update. Uh, like 44 minutes ago saying he spent last night in ICU remains there in critical condition and thankful for the outpouring of support. And that was, I think one of the big positives that came from it. You saw everyone on Twitter and social media hammering the GoFundMe for his um, charity to give, uh, you know, underprivileged kids uh, toys for Christmas. I think the it started off at the night, like what? 10,000 on the GoFundMe. I think it's over 4 million Yeah, right now. So the outpouring of, care and support across the football and just you know this isn't just a sports story it turned into a major news story and you're all hoping that uh that he is okay Demar hamlin and just a scary uh, moment and yeah i did reflect on it you know i reflected on a lot as a you know fan of sports and the nfl and you do remember what jay bowmeister uh collapsing a couple of years ago yuri fisher i remember um and then chris pronger tweeted out the video of his when he took a puck to the chest and his heart uh, stopped. So, you know, sudden impact at the right time or the wrong time or the perfect angle uh, can put you out. And I think that's something you didn't really think of just when you're going to make a routine tackle. Uh, that's kind of almost what it looked like 
yesterday and just ended so horrifically. And uh, eventually, the I mean, you saw the reaction from the players, Huss. There's no way that they would have been able to emotionally, no. emotionally no. play. And then you are do reflect on sometimes where the wrong decision was made. And I did see, uh, you know, a lot of people remembering the Owen Hart incident um, on Twitter yesterday, where they inexplicably uh, continued that that pay per view. So, um, just, yeah, you know, horrific, um, horrific situ- situation totally. yesterday. Um, the Bills after the game um, tweeted out that Demar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He's currently sedated and listed in critical condition. Um, and the one thing I will say, um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are taking advantage of this to push their own narratives. There's a lot of virtue signaling. There's a lot of people that I, I, mean, I stay away from all of that. But I will say this, um, the medical professionals and the first responders that went out there in that situation and worked so hard to save Damar Hamlin's life and at least get him to the hospital, um, those are the people. You rarely think about them. You see at games, you know, rarely did are they out there doing anything of the sort. Um, but when everything is on the line, those people came up huge last night. And the fact that we're still talking about the possibility of him being saved and him getting great care right now and doing everything they can to save his life is uh, is something that, that, that I'll remember. And, um, you know, a big thanks go out to those people that were uh, that were there and the advancements that I think we as a society have had since seeing other tragedies happen where you have the care that's available, you have things like defibrillators to hopefully avoid the worst results. So... Well, later on today, uh, at the end of the program, we've gotten any more information on it as a story, what it pertains to the league, everything. I mean, we'll let you know, but figured that was pretty important to start off uh, speaking about that. And listen, as we'll get to the Jets in just a minute, one of the bizarre things, and I think Rima will always remember this, um, I was so geeked for this game last night. Um, Watch the first drive. Watch the Bills come back and score the field goal. And then I was going over to a friend's place and we were going to go out and watch the rest of the game and grab some wings. Just went a couple blocks over to my to uh, to my friend's spot, walked in, and we had five minutes left in the junior game and it was 3-3. By the way, ironically, after Canada was up 3-2 and the fans did the wave. So wave still undefeated, um, ties the game up. It went into overtime, and obviously we couldn't stop watching. Um, and we'll get to the good part of last night, which was, of course, Connor Bedard's winning goal. But I'll always remember this. I kept on, you know, I've got a fantasy final. There's a bunch of other things involved in this game, and I'm, I'm getting my score app up, and I keep on refreshing it, and it keeps on saying 558 in the first quarter. And I thought my app was broken at the time. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to reset my phone. And um, as soon as the game was over, we flipped over and immediately knew that it was um, an incredibly scary and serious uh, and serious situation. Um, now, for all the horror and the tragedy that was happening during the football game, it was the exact opposite in Halifax. And the legend of Connor Bedard continues to grow. Um, broke the records last night, but he didn't just break the records. He put a country on his back, avoiding what would have been a horrible loss to the Slovakians in the quarterfinal of an event that Canada is hosting. And um, he did it with one of the most legendary goals, certainly in Canadian junior history, 
going through the entire team at three on three after five incredible shots in overtime. And that Slovakian goalie was just phenomenal. Um, I've run out of superlatives for Connor Bedard. All I know is that we're watching a superstar in the making. We'll remember this sort of performance when he is one of, if not the star for the next generation of the NHL. Yeah, that junior game was absolutely incredible drama. The setting in Halifax, the fans going crazy uh, at home, and you love seeing it there. You know, tie game, uh, overtime, and you're just you're thinking, don't go to a shootout because nobody wants that and it seemed like Bedard has, was on the ice basically the entire oh. the entire overtime and every time he gets a puck you you think something is going to happen they were all over him i know the what the uh the Czech uh, sorry the Slovak goalie made some saves the Canadian goalie made some saves but uh that one shift at the end that ended it i mean he had a couple chances right before was skating all around and then he you know dangles one guy cuts the middle dangles another guy one on one with the goalie dangles the goalie um, an absolutely incredible move. And it's just, you know, such a contrast between what was going on in the NFL and the Canada game. And it just made for such a, um, one of the nights in sports you'll probably always, always remember uh, last night. But that goal, I mean, and also, you know, passing, the historic nature of the goal, passing what Eberle, Lindros, the names that he's passing for all-time, you know, goals in a tournament and points. I mean, it completely, so historic. and. You know, you, I see people in chat saying, "Hey, if you're not going to be in the playoffs, just try to lose as many games to give your you're not you don't you're not going to guaranteed Bedard, but you need to get the as good of a chance as you can because this guy is a franchise changing player." Yeah, uh, I, I mean, we've been talking you know throughout the the tournament about Bedard and how I mean, listen, the, this guy we've known about him for years, and it's mm -hmm. all been coming up to this draft. And we've seen teams that have already been tanking, obviously, at the beginning of the season. I think this tanking is going to go to a whole nother level um, based on what we've seen right now. I mean, if anyone had any doubts, I, uh, what I'm interested in, regardless of where he goes, how many goals does he score next year? I saw Grant McKegg speculate that he's probably good for 40 next year in the NHL, <laughs> playing on the wing. And I'll be honest, I think I'd ride with that right now. His his shot mm -hmm. right now would be a top 10 shot in the National Hockey League. And maybe I'm not even doing him the service uh, of it. So anyways, uh, Connor Bedard, we're going to talk about it coming up with Chris Peters in, uh, in, just, uh, in just a few minutes. I, I pulled up I the lottery. Yeah, I pulled the lottery simulator real quick. And like <laughs> Chicago right now has the best odds at getting him at 18.5%. Anaheim has the second best odds, 13.5%. I mean, that 5% that difference. That's a lot of that's a lot of percent difference. So I think loses do what you got to do. Who cares? Um, you know, even if it's a one percent difference between uh, three and four, or four and five, I think you you all saw the game. Any additional chance you can give yourself, you have to try to do, even if it's how minor it may seem. Well, and the thing about it is, yeah. what's the worst? What right now? I mean, the draft rules have changed. The worst you can do is fall back three spots. I think so. And hey, shout out to Montreal Hus, who actually might have the second best odds because they have Florida's pick oh. as as well. So Montreal actually might have the best. They might have the second best. As of now, they would have the second best odds uh, or tied when, for second best. When you add Florida's position and percentage no, chance with sorry. Montreal's their own They would pick. have the second best chance to get him, Montreal, if you add Florida's chance. 
Well, and we'll leave it there. We'll don't leave even it. get me going on Florida. We'll, you know we'll where Venn is. Another time. But the Panthers are seventh right now in the Atlantic Division and eight points out of a playoff spot. They need to figure it out very soon. Um, but let's get to the Jets. And uh, we'll talk to Steinberg about the visiting Calgary Flames a little bit later on. But even before we get to the Flames game, Remo, I mean, how about the way 2022 ended for the Winnipeg Jets going into Edmonton? And gutting out a 2-1 win in regulation. Connor Hellebuck, brilliant, 31 of 32 saves. The Pionky Tonk man getting in on it. Kyle Connor with the winning goal. And maybe most impressive, uh, an all-out penalty kill display in the final two-plus minutes as the Jets held on to that one goal lead, led by Hellebuck, but some huge block shots, Dylan Sambrig in the mix as well. And, uh, man, just a big, big two points for the Winnipeg Jets. And we start 2023 with the Jets 10 games above 500 right now in the Central Division. Yeah, the Jets caught a bit of a break here. Leon Dreisaitl out with injury. And Edmonton had played the night before as well. And we talked about, would that be a factor? And I think Edmonton and... Uh, Connor McDavid, they used up all their goals on the Friday night. Uh, I think he had, what, a five-point night, absolutely pasting the Kraken, and the Jets were able to lock it down uh, 2-1. You know, they got outshot a bit, but we know the situation they're in in terms of the personnel that they have, and they played the way that they needed to play, and Hellebuck stepped up, um, stopping, what, 31 of 32. Uh, You got some nice offensive moves from Kyle Connor, uh, setting up Pionk on the first one, and you know, tipping a Pionk shot on the second one. And look, it was a gritty win. You don't want them all to be like that. But we know, again, we know the Jets situation and they needed that two points very badly. Uh, they got a tough test tonight and they're happy to bank to a great way to start, start the new year. Hustler. Uh, I don't know what you were doing Saturday night, but I was, I was home uh, fist bumping that one. Uh, you know, you're kind of just watching the clock. Oh, as they're trying to block shot after shot at the end. And yeah, Dylan Sandberg with the big block. Everyone was putting their body on the line, and um, that was a gutsy win. Uh, well, well done there on on New Year's because it would have been just a crappy New Year's if uh, you had had a loss well, there. Hey, listen, I mean, some of us aren't very well rounded. Don't have a lot of other things going on, and you're damn right. I was locked in on that yeah. game, and my New Year's Eve was going to be made or broken by what <laughs> happened in the Jets Oilers. But listen, I'll, I'll own it. Um, and I'll tell you what, once they won, there was a few extra cheers, a yeah. few extra whoops where I was at. And like, listen, good times. Um, listen, the Jets do. I mean, and this is one of the things that will, I mean, now as we're getting to the midway point of the regular season, be continuing to pay close attention to. I mean, it's hard to get too crazy about playoff spots and whatnot, you know, 20, 25 games in. Um, but as I said, we're four games away from the midway point of the season. And the Winnipeg Jets are 47 points in 37 games. Second place in the Central Division. Game in hand, but five points back of the Dallas Stars. And I will say comfortably in not just a playoff spot, but one of the top three spots in the Central Division. So um, we'll see what they can do starting off 2023 tonight against the Calgary Flames. Um, And Remo, I guess that the big news just before we get, and we should be hearing some clarity on Jansen Harkins relatively soon. He cleared. Okay. He did clear. So Jansen Harkins was put on waivers yesterday and just hot off the press has cleared waivers. So he'll go to the Manitoba Moose. That's great for the organization to not lose Harkins. I'll be honest, considering where the way he was playing, the fact that Essimont was out a few times, 
I was sort of surprised that he was the guy that was first up on the waiver block ream, but um, that's exactly what happened yesterday. And um, that means that many of these injured players are just about ready to go. But as we'll hear from Rick bonus a little later on, um, it looks like we'll have the same lineup tonight. And Rick's going to give Nikolai Ehlers, Nate Schmidt, Cole Perfetti, an extra couple days of practice before getting back into the lineup, presumably against the Tampa Bay lightning on Friday. Yeah, they all, uh, but they started skating yesterday. You saw Ehlers, Perfetti, Schmidt, and was a light blue jerseys, and Menelein and Wheeler in the red non-contact. But yes, uh, those guys, sounds like some of them, we're not sure who will be able to play Friday, and Wheeler and Menelein uh, a bit further down the road. But uh, bodies are coming, becoming healthier, and that's a positive sign for the Jets. But first up, uh, Calgary, who's playing a lot better as of late uh, here tonight. And I know Pat will give us a the big lowdown on the flames uh, later on in the show. Excellent. All right. We'll hear from Rick bonus. Jeff Hamilton's going to join us, Pat Steinberg as well. Um, but we're going to get to a little world junior talk. And <laughs> I mean, Connor Bedard. Oh my God. Just before we do that, I got to give a huge thanks to the gang at consolidated supply. The entire month of December was dominated by the marbles tournament of champions. And, it was even a greater hit than we could have imagined. Shout out to everyone that joined us. And we may have some expanded Marbles programming in the future, but you know you can guarantee Friday afternoons here on WST it's happening. Uh, but now we're into 2023. Look ahead. Start thinking about the snow clearing and uh, getting ready for a beautiful summer here in Manitoba. Maybe you're thinking about a new landscape project, putting that dream putting green in the backyard, an outdoor kitchen, a hot tub, Maybe getting that personalized golf cart for the uh, for the campground. Consolidated Supply has it all. Pop down and see Joe and the gang. Thirteen ninety five Niagara Road East, or online at their new website at cte.ca. Um, got some great great entries for the Wallace and Wallace Unsung Hero Program in December, and now it's time as we get into January to do it all over again. If you've been waiting to send us a nomination for that unsung hero in your community, do it now. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Want to hear about the people that are doing extra hours helping out our community, whether it be charity, helping the needy, or just doing acts of kindness for neighbors and more. Send us there. Our winner will receive an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey, and Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory, and it will be matched by Josh and Margo Morrissey himself. Unsung hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. And hey, with the uh, new year here, everyone wants to be a little healthier in uh, 2023. Start off at Vita Health Fresh Market with great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. When you shop at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936 with Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And hey, if you can't make it down to any of the seven Vita Health stores, visit their website to buy online, schedule a delivery or in-store pickup. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and check them out online at myvita.com. .ca. All right, let's talk Connor Bedard, World Juniors, before we get back to tonight's Jets Flames Tilt and welcome in Chris Peters, the senior content creator at Flow Hockey. Chris, welcome back to the show. How are you? How was the drive out to Halley? <laughs> it was uh, scenic, no moose, thankfully. That's uh, that's always my goal is uh, to not hit a moose uh, when I drive in Canada. But yeah, it was great. Uh, 
great to be in Moncton for the last couple of weeks. And now I'm really excited to be in Halifax for the rest of the tournament here. It's uh, It's been a memorable one, no question about it. It's been a lot of fun to be here uh, at all. I mean, you know where we got to start off uh, right off the bat. The Connor Bedard oh, I, show. I yeah. <laughs> the Connor Bedard <laughs> show. I mean, we'll get into the historic nature of what he's done, but let's just specifically talk about last night and how he literally put that team on his back. The amount of opportunities that he had, the brilliance of the Slovakian goaltender to keep them in it, and then a goal that I don't think anyone that watched it will ever forget to put Canada into the semis. Yeah, I mean, a signature moment in a in a career that seems like it's been full of them, and he's you know not even eighteen yet. It's it's just remarkable what what Connor Bedard has done. And you know, before the game, I was thinking about you know the the, the fact that you know Canada is the deeper team. They've got more talent, more first round draft picks, more you know everything. You know, even some guys that have played in the NHL this year. But I thought the more I thought about it, I said the biggest reason that Canada is favored to win this game isn't because of their depth, isn't because of how, how good they are. It's because they have Connor Bedard and Slovakia doesn't. And that's going to be the same thing the rest of the way. They have Connor Bedard and nobody else does. And, and really, that was a player that decided on his own, I'm going to take this over. I'm going to, you know, he played pretty much every other shift in overtime. Um, he was out there for a number of chances. I think Canada ended up generating eight shots on goal uh, in the overtime period. And that includes with a power play. And he just stuck with it. And I, I think when it was time to end the game, he just decided to do it. And, and that was the, the most remarkable thing about it. And, and, you know, Connor is not a guy that is is typically going to score goals by dangling through everybody. He's usually going to blow it by you. And this time he's like, you know what, I got to get we're, – we're not getting enough push here. We're not getting our shots from the outside against uh, Adam Guyon, who had, had made, you know, 50-plus saves in that game. So he just goes ahead and takes it right to the net, goes around three guys and, and scores a, one of the signature goals of this tournament. So uh, just a just a remarkable moment. And for him, um, you know, just an, an, another another great opportunity for him to showcase exactly how special he is. And, and I think we're, we've learned that he is, you know, everything we thought he was and probably a little bit more. You know, Chris, as someone that's followed the game for a long time and has always loved the draft, sometimes I get a little... I mean, you want to pump the brakes on hype on players because we've seen guys that we've heard all about that are going to be amazing that don't turn out to be incredible pros. But then there are players like Bedard come along that you know that, you know, I, I think the term generational player has been greatly overused recently, but this is that guy. And, um, man, he's rewriting the history books as well. I mean, when you consider some of the performances in the players, both for Canada and in this tournament, that he is taking a run at or passing, I think it just speaks to every single bit of hype has been warranted for Connor Bedard. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you look at the the, the totals that he's put together, the, you know, the fact that he has all these points. I mean, really, you know, to have 21 points in a single tournament, to have, you know, 34 career points to be the all-time leading scorer for Canada. And and now just one point away from entering the top five all-time of this tournament. And you've got, you know, the guys that he'll catch are Esatikinen and Alexander McGillney with 35 points. You know, I, I we assume that Connor is going to get at least another one over these next two games because whether they win or lose against the U.S., he's going to have two cracks to get get there. And I don't know if he'll catch Pavel Bure, who is at 39 career points at number three all time. But still, it's it's just amazing to see what he's what he's been able to accomplish. And you know, the thing is, is they they did have games against 
Germany and Austria that certainly will pad the stats. But again, you know, he's one of very few players that got seven points in a game, one of very few players that had 13 points over two games. Um, you know, so I, really he continues to do, defy any thought of, of what is possible in this tournament. I mean, we're talking about the, the, the 80s and 90s where things were far different. Um, and you look at the, the goaltending performance that Adam Guyan put in for Slovakia and the fact that Connor Bedard was able to get two past them in a game that he played that well uh, just goes to show how special he is. So all the historical numbers, everything else we've seen um, is just a continuation of what Connor Bedard has been doing from the very beginning. I mean, you look at his numbers from last year and, and this year with Regina, um, you know, it's, we're talking about one of the, the great junior hockey players of, 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 of all time. I mean, really, um, especially when you consider the era that he's playing in. So, um, you know, it's been interesting to see because I think his NHL projection is different necessarily than, you know, a Connor McDavid, let's say, where, you know, he doesn't have the size or skating ability. Um, and, and that's going to be something that I think will, will ultimately be uh, uh, thought about, but not, it's not going to change the fact that he's the number one prospect in this draft. And it's certainly not going to change the fact that I think he is a generational goal scorer at the very least and, you know, potentially a generational player overall. Um, you know, there are definitely some teams out there that wonder if, you know, if at five foot nine and, and five foot 10 or so, you know, and, and, and on a little bit of the lighter side, will he be able to be a center full time in the NHL level? Uh, but they do know that no matter what, they want the puck on his stick. They want him to drive play, which he can do, and he can score. So uh, just, a, just a remarkable all-around player and, and a big reason why, if you are in trouble this season, just lean into it because uh, he's, he's that special. And, you know, you have a guy like that on your team, you feel like you've got your rebuild, you know, pretty much on the right track. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been a lot of jokes that have been made about the tank jobs that some teams are doing right now. It's going to get downright nuclear in the second half of the season based on what we've seen so far. And, you know, when you look at Bedard, and I guess, you know, like everything, it's an inexact science. He's going to be in the NHL next year as an 18-year-old. I've heard from some people that he projects maybe better at least to start his NHL career as a winger where you can really focus more on the offense, not have the big defensive responsibilities that a center has. And even that right now might be able to put up in the neighborhood of 40 next year. I mean, do you have those high expectations or, I mean, as I said, I've been saying pump the brakes for a long time and now I'm basically doing a complete 180 and going, this guy, there's nothing he can't do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think for sure he's going to have to start on the wing. He's playing wing here. You know, he's playing wing at the world juniors yeah. with Logan Stankovan uh, being the center. And then they had Shane Wright at center before. And I think that that's largely because they said, Hey, let's open you up for all these offensive opportunities. Um, you know, I think that his, his ability, his hockey sense is just so high end, his ability to find the quiet spaces in the ice, the fact that he will take the puck and that he doesn't make a lot of bad decisions with the puck. You know, it's just basically, He's so sure-handed with it, and he just has such a such an understanding of how to play. And the game slows down for him, you know. And that's that's the other thing is he, he thinks the game at such an incredible level that you know he, things are happening at a slower pace. Even though at the World Juniors, it's about as close as you can get to the NHL pace outside of the NHL. So you know, it, it, it's remarkable for me to to see this this kid just continue to 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 defy the expectations that were already so high. Um, and, and I'd say you know, yeah, I think. You look at the last couple of years, and some of the guys that have come into the NHL, they've had a little bit of a tougher time. Jack Hughes had a bit of a slow start. Alexi Lafreniere still trying to get it together now. Um, you know, and, and we saw Owen Power actually go back to college last year. 
I think Connor Bedard is in a bit of a different class than any of those players at this point. I think the way that he's played right now and, and the, the way that he thinks the game, he's going to be able to go into an NHL team and potentially be a top six forward immediately. Um, there are things that he's going to have to improve. He's going to have to improve on his physical strength. The competitiveness is not an issue. The, the shift to shift, uh, you know, uh, work ethic is not an issue with him. Um, but just getting physically stronger, not getting frustrated when, you know, things don't go your way because that, They've really never, he's never really faced that at any point in his career. At the NHL, there will be moments of, of adversity that he's going to have to fight through, which we just haven't seen him had to deal with a ton in his young career. Um, but, but I do think that he's a guy that should be there immediately um, and should be in a pretty substantial role. And if you put him with the right players, he's going to make them better and they're going to make him better. Um, so I think there's a lot of, of high expectations and he's one guy where I feel like, you know, he thinks the game at such a high level, you know, just take the brakes off at this point and just just let it all happen. Chris, uh, you know, it was kind of, listen, Bedard's completely taken over this tournament and all conversations around it. But um, there was a lot of talk about Adam Fantilli coming in. And I'll be honest, from what I've seen of Fantilli, I see the package that he is and why teams would be salivating over him as well. Um what have you thought about him in the tournament so far? And um, when we look at the draft, once Bedard goes off the board, um, do you think he's number two? I do think he's number two. Um, he, you know, he's played a little bit below his standard at this tournament, I feel like. And I think part of that is role-related. Um, you know, he he had a good opportunity, um, but it didn't, you know, he didn't necessarily live up to to that and started kind of moving down the lineup and not getting the minutes and things like that. But you know, I think that he's one of those guys where it was never – you can never really give him a fair shake because he was playing with the best player in the world in the draft. Um, you know, but there was, there, there was a period of time this season, especially earlier in the year when Adam Fantilli was absolutely torching the NCAA. It's like, hey, he could potentially challenge Bedard. I, I don't think that we're going to hear those discussions much anymore. But what we will hear is, you know, that, that, that competition for number two. And, and Leo Carlson, who's also here, is another guy that's in the mix for that. He scored two big goals for Sweden yesterday. Um, you know, so he's a big body forward. The, the, the difference is, is that Adam Fantilli is such a tremendous skater. He's got, he's got good physical strength. He's got scoring ability. You look at the entire body of work that he's put together over the last several years, including a, as a rookie in the, in the uh, USHL at 16 years old, where he was the MVP of their, the, the championship series there um, in, that, in that league, which is just remarkable at that age. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of teams that are still very excited about him, regardless of how he performs here at the, at the World Juniors. You know, he's, he's moved down the lineup. He's not going to have as much of an opportunity to impact the games. But when he has been out there, you, know, you can definitely see the skills. You see the speed. You see the work ethic, all those different things that, that will make him a very high draft pick. And, and a reason why, if you are tanking, you're not, you know, okay, well, we don't get Bedard, but we can get a really solid number two here where, you know, similarly to how the, the Sabres felt, you know, they, they missed out on Connor McDavid, then got Jack Eichel, who, you know, re if we're revising history, maybe it didn't work out the way that anybody hoped it would in Buffalo, but still that was an exceptional player that they, they managed to, to get. And now, you know, they'll, they'll reap the benefits of that trade down the line as well. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I think Fantilli is, has done enough to, to, to show that, yeah, he's still among the very best in this draft class. And, and I think his entire body of work, you know, speaks for itself. Talking World Juniors with uh, Chris Peters of Flow Hockey, which brings us to tomorrow, the semis. And we got Canada versus the USA. Always a great, great um, rivalry matchup, especially at the World Juniors. 
Got to ask you about the Jets prospects, Chaz Lucius and Rucker McGrory. What have you seen from them? And um, fill us in on sort of the tail of the tape between these two teams for uh, the big game tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the Jets prospects first, I think, you know, Rucker, Rucker McGrory and Chaz Lucius, they've played a lot together in the tournament. They've been on USA's kind of de facto second line. That line has kind of gone in and out. They've been okay at times. You know, they've, they've been, they've had some good moments. Uh, McGrory is also on the first power play unit. Lucius is on the second power play unit. Both of them in the bumper position, oddly enough. Um, but, you know, they're, they're both, you know, really good in the power play situations. I think that they've had real good moments of the tournament. I haven't necessarily seen a, a, an amazing game from either one of them. But I think, you know, with, with Rucker McGordy and Chaz Lucius, you're expecting goals, and they've been able to score. They've had some good, some good moments, and they've, they've looked good on the power play. As for the game as a whole, I'm fascinated by this entire process. You know, Slovakia played a really strong game against Canada. They might not have had the puck a lot, but I think that they put enough pressure on. And, and, and I think if you're Canada, you have to be a little bit concerned that it did take Connor McDavid taking over, or Connor Bedard rather, taking over a game where, you know, you, you basically, you, you had a two goal lead and you squandered it and you weren't able to kind of figure that out. Was it because you, had, you faced off against a good goaltender or was it because there, there might be some other issues there? And then obviously you've, you've had the loss against the Czech Republic. So now you know that you have, you're, you're a team that is beatable. Um, you were even beatable by a Slovakian team that didn't necessarily match up with the depth that you had. So that's the one concern I'd have if I'm Canada. But the, again, you've got Connor Bedard. He's the kind of the you know break glass in case of emergency situation there, and he's always going to be that option where you know I don't think the U.S. can put anybody on him and successfully you know slow him down. Um, but they're going to try. And, and I think that the interesting thing about the U.S. is they play very fast. They have a smaller decor that's more puck moving based. So the U.S. is going to try very hard to establish possession throughout that game and just to, to have the puck a lot more than Canada. That's going to be their best defense because they don't really have a true shutdown defender. They don't necessarily have a true shutdown line. I think uh, Connor Bedard is probably going to see a lot of Red Savage in that game. He's been uh, down the lineup for the U.S., but he's he's speedy. He's gritty. You know, I'm sure he's probably going to be on, on Bedard an awful lot. Um, but then you've also got a really good top line for the U.S. that you have to be aware of, and that's Logan Cooley, Cutter Goche, Jimmy Snuggerud, three first-round draft picks. They've been excellent in this tournament. Um, Cooley had a hat trick against Germany. Goche had a couple of goals. Snuggerud's got goals. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're really, really good. So you got to find a way to slow them down as well. And if you do slow them down, then you have a better chance against the U.S. because they don't necessarily have the scoring depth that Canada does. So that's going to be interesting to, to see as well. And then lastly – the uh, the the goaltender for Team USA, 17-year-old Trey Augustine. Um, so you've got an underage goaltender playing in the biggest game of his life to date. Um, probably never have played in an, an environment like the one he's about to go into in Halifax. So that's a whole other wild card thing. He's been excellent in this tournament for the U.S., a 938 save percentage so far for him. He's been the difference maker in, in a position that a lot of us thought would be a trouble position for them. But I think it, it, when, you, when it comes down to it, it's just going to be a battle of these two teams. And, and I think they're, even, they're, they're fairly evenly matched. I think Canada's a little bit deeper. I like their blue line a little bit better. But I think Can USA's blue line has actually played better in this tournament than Canada's has to date. So uh, going to be a fascinating game, two very different style teams. Um, you know, I think Canada's going to try to, to be physical and establish that early. And we'll have to see how USA handles that. Because if they can't handle the Canadian forecheck, they're going to be in big trouble. If they do, then that puts a little bit more pressure on Canada. So I think it's going to be a great matchup. I cannot wait for it. Obviously, we all hope 
for a USA Canada game whenever these two teams get together. I'm super excited about it. I'm sure everybody across Canada is as well. Chris, will the winner of the Canada-USA game, should the winner, I guess, in your opinion, be a, a pretty big favorite uh, against either the Swedes or the Czechs? Or um, is this a very wide-open tournament right now with four teams that could all win it? I feel it's a pretty wide-open tournament. I have less faith in Sweden. They needed a late goal, shorthanded goal. They kind of got away with one, I feel like, against Finland yesterday. Um, but I think that Czech team is is legit. I think that they have such a tremendous blue line. They are, they are an absolute threat to win the gold medal um, against any of these teams. I think that Sweden has a little bit less on the back end, which is why I have concerns about their overall ability to compete with some of these teams. We saw how badly they got dominated by Canada. Um, you know, I think USA would give them similar trouble. But I, but I, I do think that you've got, th- you know, any, any one of those teams can have a big game. They've got the goaltending to get it done. Um, they've got the scoring to get it done. So, yeah, so I do feel it's pretty wide open. I would not say that either one of Canada or the U.S. is a, is a heavy favorite, especially if it's Czechia on the other side, just because they have been so good in this tournament. And, I mean, that Swiss team that they just put the just steamrolled uh, yesterday was a really good team throughout the tournament. They beat Finland. They beat you – know, they won three of their preliminary round games in, in overtime. So, uh, that was not an easy win. I think this Czech team is 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 to be uh, taken very very seriously uh, across uh, as we get to the stage of the tournament. But I cannot wait. I think we've got two great semifinals. It's setting up for a great medal a couple days on the on the medal game days as well. So uh, I, I mean I I. I I've been blown away by this World Juniors. I thought the summer one was just an absolute slog until the final game. And this one is such a great reward. A a normal World Juniors, great atmosphere, great games, surprising results. It's it's been a phenomenal tournament, top to bottom. Well, you know what? And just on that note, I did want to ask you, and of course you've been out in Moncton and now heading into Halifax, but I mean, for obvious reasons, everything that's happened with Hockey Canada over the past year plus, I think there were major questions as to what, this tournament was going to be like what was the atmosphere going to be what would the support be certainly seems like it's sort of back to normal i mean what's your experience been just being a part of it and um the way the maritimers have stepped up to get behind the team and the tournament yeah you know i I was in moncton but you would have felt like canada was playing in those games just because of how many people were there i mean they, they didn't sell out every single game but there were most tickets sold for most games uh the game against uh usa the Finland USA game was a decisively partisan Finnish crowd. It was a kind of, it felt like a road game for the Americans. It was a phenomenal environment to play for them to play in. Um, you know, and I think it's interesting. You, you bring the tournament back to a junior couple of junior cities, which I think, you know, basically you're, 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 you're taking away the capacity of those NHL buildings. You're putting it in a place where, they not only value the tournament, but they also want to show the rest of the world how much they value it. Um, and I think that it's, I think that in this Hockey Canada situation that continues, that's ongoing, and, and you know, the, there's still an investigation ongoing even in Halifax for the 2003 World Juniors. Um, I think that there is a separation of Canada from Hockey Canada in this kind of situation and a lot of these family traditions that are built around the world juniors and the different things like that those are the things that matter more to people um i don't think that that means that you forget what's happened and what is continuing to happen as hockey canada kind of continues to deal with this reckoning and also that there are still investigations ongoing um we can't forget those things 
but I do think that there are people that have compartmentalized it to a certain extent. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do think that, you know, for the players that are participating, for the people that are going to the games, they are creating an experience that is separate from that. Um, and, and, and I think that that's okay. You know, I think that that's, that that is, you know, these people are, are celebrating the game of hockey um, and hopefully not forgetting, but also understand, you know, separating the two at, at this point, but um, we'll continue to have these conversations and discussions, but I do think that, you know, it's been a, a remarkable environment to cover a tournament in and certainly to, for the fans, I think that they've really enjoyed it. And there's no doubt about it. That the players, this has meant a lot to them too, because many of them have never played in an environment like this. Chris Peters is with us. Chris, we always love having you on the program. I can't thank you enough for jumping on today. By the way, I like that flow hockey hat you've got going on. Uh, <laughs> fill us in quickly. Uh, give us a little plug for uh, your new home and uh, what you guys have cooking on over there. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've been at Flow Hockey since June. Um, you know, it's part of the Flow Sports Network, and, and we've got a bunch of different sports streaming on there and also a lot of game streaming, ECHL, USHL, um, some college hockey conferences as well. And uh, I've been running the hockey content there since June, and, and we're doing a ton of prospect coverage. I've done, you know, as much world junior coverage as I possibly can handle on my own, um, which has been a blast for me to do. We've, we've had more of a USA focus since we're a U.S.-based publication, but certainly tracking Connor Bedard very, very closely. Um, and we'll still have a lot more coming up there. And also on my podcast, Talking Hockey Sense, which is on the flow sports podcast network now. So um, it's been a great experience so far. We're trying to grow within the hockey community. We're trying to provide, uh, you know, some great prospect coverage and, and college hockey coverage and junior hockey coverage and minor league hockey as well. So, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to cover as many bases beneath the NHL as we can and, and make sure that those sports are getting the due that they deserve or those leagues rather get the due that they deserve. And certainly uh, going all in on the world junior. So it's been a blast to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I, I, I really appreciate uh you know, coming on programs like these and letting people know about it, because I think that uh, I'm hoping that, you know, there's, it's a big tent in this hockey world. And I hope that we can, you know, provide a, a, another outlet for people to enjoy and, and, and learn about the sport that they really care about. So it's, it's, it's been great for me and, and I, I'm really happy to be a part of it. Well, Hey, once you get home, you might have to fire up the uh, fire up the wagon and head North on I 29, come up to the pegs, see Zach Benson in the ice. And we'll have a couple cold little Brown jugs waiting for you. That sounds good to me. I'm sign me up for that. <laughs> Chris, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the rest of the turning. We'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, Oscar. See ya. There's Chris Peters. Give him a follow on Twitter at Chris M. Peters. And uh, Flow Hockey is at FLO Hockey. Uh, make sure to check them out as well. Um, all right. We're going to hear from Rick Bonus in just a second before we get into all Jets topics with Jeff Hamilton. Uh, but, of course, a big Happy New Year to our friends at Manitoba Battery. Pretty nice outside right now. Uh, but, folks, it's the beginning of January. We know what's coming. A few hard weeks at some point. And it's not just hard weeks for our mental state, but also for your car. And um, if your battery is sketchy right now, this is not the city to be uh, having a, a touch-and-go battery. What you need to do. If you want to get the thing tested, pop on down to Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. Donnie and the gang will give you a quick test, let you know where your battery is at. And if you don't need one, you're good to go. If you do need one, you'll save time and save money with the best prices in town. Shopping local on batteries of all shapes and sizes, but especially car batteries right now. And hey, if your car is dead, if you know you need a new battery... 
Don't even get off your seat. Give them a phone call or order online at manitobabattery.com and they will deliver it to you same day anywhere in the city. Um, only one place in town. You can shop local, save time, and save money, and that is Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue, and again, online at manitobabattery.com. Um, a big happy new year to the gang over at Royal Sports for their great support of Bo Winnipeg Sports Talk. Massive Boxing Day deals finishing up on the weekend. But as we get into the new year, make sure you're following Royal Sports Pembina on Instagram for all their latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, if you've kind of finished the holiday season and now looking to maybe do a little shopping for yourself, you know Royal Sports, biggest hockey selection in the city. I believe they still do have a ton of sticks on sale right now and all sorts of great merchandise for uh, your favorites, both your favorite teams here locally, NHL, Bombers, Jets, and of course, World Soccer as well. Royal Sports, the sports superstore, 750 Pemina Highway. And now as we get into the new year, guys, I know many of you are planning for maybe a wedding or being involved in one. Or, of course, a graduation in F Apparel, the spot for custom suits at a great price in Winnipeg, has great specials on both wedding and wedding parties and grads coming up. So make sure to pop down, see Andrew and the gang at F Apparel. You can also make an appointment online or check them out at fephapparel.com. Excuse me. All right, let's get Remus in here. Jeff Hamilton's going to come up right away. Remo, can we bang out a few of these Bones clips? I figured it'd be a good way to get into uh, Jeff. Yeah, if you want to talk about uh, injuries or whatever else you want to get to, Hustler, I know. So I gotta get yeah, let, let's do the uh, let's do the injury update, and um, we'll just do the first three clips, and then we'll talk about it with Jeff Hamilton, who's going to join us in just a minute. Sure. Um, he was asked. So we talked about who was skating, Hustler. Uh, it was what Perfetti, Schmidt, Ehlers, and you no, know, not non-contact jerseys, but they were in a unique color. And it was also um, here. Uh, sorry, us. Wheeler and uh, yeah, uh, Wheeler, Wheeler and Metalinen Metal there uh, in the red, non-contact. So here was what he said about them. Now, if this listen, if this was a playoff game, the three guys that weren't in red probably would play. But they've only had one practice with us yesterday. Um, this gives us a couple extra days, and it gives us an extra practice on Thursday. So we're hoping to have a few of them in the lineup for Thursday or for Friday night. All right, so that was just a quick update from Bones, and let's just get number two as well. Uh, Bones was asked if there's a downside um, to so many guys coming back all at once. Listen, the, the the guys that are coming back have some of them have missed a significant amount of time. So to sit here and think they're going to step right in and be in game speed, that's not going to happen. It's not. They're going to need some time. It's like coming at a training camp. There's a big difference between training camp and the regular season. The guys that have missed significant time, we're going to have to be very patient with them and monitor their ice time and everything else. The guys that have missed a couple of weeks, that's a different discussion. But some of these guys that are coming back have missed a significant amount of time. So we will have to monitor who they're up against, their ice time, and everything else. That That's something we're going to have to uh, watch very closely, but th that doesn't mean they're just going to step in and pick up where they left off. That's just not going to happen. All right, and let's uh, get one more, Remo. If you can get number six ready, um, one of the things that we'll be talking about with Jeff was the decision to send Jansen Harkins down and obviously what this means for the rest of the guys that have stepped up and increased roles, some from the Manitoba Moose, 
with all the players injured with guys coming back right now. But here's Bones on the decision by the Jets to send Jansen Harkins down, who did clear waivers earlier today. Well, it's those are all those tough calls. Um, we, we needed him to just be a little bit more reliable defensively along the boards and things like that. That's kind of what we, yeah, that's basically what the decision was based on. I had a good talk with him yesterday about those things, and it's, it's disappointing for him. And But we, we've got to make room for some guys, and there's going to be more more guys. If once these guys come back, there's only 23-man roster. There's going to be more guys that we're going to have to make very, very tough decisions on, and that was a tough decision. Does it come down at times just to like defined roles? Like, I mean, Reichel plays the the right wing, or Stenlin, you want him on faceoffs. Axel Johnson, Vialbi, yep. forecheck penalty kill. Well, it does. Is your ability on your fourth line to, to get the puck out of the zone and, and you know make plays when they're there for sure? But if there's nothing there, make the right decision at the right time. Christian did that for us at the last game. Uh, we got to find out if he continue to do it. The only way to do it is let him keep playing. And again, there's roster decisions we have to make, and those are tough decisions and Harks is a very very tough very popular in the room he's a hard working guy he's been committed to the team those aren't easy decisions but they have to be made all right there is Rick Bonus, and uh, let's uh, talk some more Jets heading into 2023 in tonight's game against the Calgary Flames with our pal Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press one of our first guests of the new year happy new year how was uh, how was a couple days off for you uh, very exciting to be one of your first guests in 2023. Um, you know what? It's funny. We talked, what, uh, I guess just over a week ago on Monday, and I was telling you about how I felt like I was on the other end of uh, of being sick. Well, I kind of, I'm not read up on it or whatever, but I guess a lot of people have been getting it and then getting a couple of days of feeling better and then falling off a cliff. Well, yeah, I think about 45 minutes after I checked out of that interview, uh, I fell off a cliff. And so... For the first 10 days of my 21-day vacation, I've been bedridden for about 90% of it. So not a great start, but I am on the outside. Uh, I feel like I'm doing much better now, and uh, certainly um, pain or cold medication has helped. Anyone who's been to a pharmacy knows how how uh, the shelves have pretty much been cleared. But, uh, you know, it feels good to be on the show. It feels good to be able to chat and talk after what's been a, a somewhat miserable couple of weeks here. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. Uh, I've been in the similar boat as you, and uh, I uh, apologies to people that have seen the odd coughing fit on this program, but uh, it is what it is right now. We power through. Very similar to what the Winnipeg Jets did through the month of December, to be honest, Jeff. I mean, this team was had everything thrown at it, whether the schedule, the travel, tons of significant injuries, and finished things off with a big win at home on Thursday night against the Vancouver Canucks, and then went into Edmonton and got it done in regulation. Connor Hellebuck, brilliant. The PK stepping up late in the third when they really needed it and getting another two uh, big points. And, yeah, to think we're starting off January with this team in second place in the Central, 10 games above 500. Um, Joke that Rick Bonus got the WST Person of the Year Award on Friday's show as um, the guy that has made the biggest impact. Um. But he really has. And now the Jets are in a situation where there's going to be some tough decisions for guys that have played so well that have really helped them keep their heads above water while the likes of Ehlers and Wheeler and Nate Schmidt have been out um, as they come back later on this week. Well, yeah. And then, you know, Stacky Metalina and Mason Appleton. I mean, these guys are eventually going to make their way back into the lineup. And so 
Uh, to see a guy like Jansen Harkins be put back on waivers, certainly, as Rick mentioned, disappointing for him to get that news, um, especially after what he had done earlier in the season, being sent down and improving his consistency in his game with the Moose, being a, even being a little bit of a scoring threat with Manitoba and then coming back up and seeing that play, uh, you know, seeing that, that play with the Moose transpire over with the Jets. But that only that didn't last long enough. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that Jansen Harkins was bad after, you know, a few games with the Jets, but he wasn't as consistent um, and, and made room for other players who were in the lineup that had been more consistent. So um, if you if you feel like that one's a bit of a tough, tough blow, and I'm not sure many do. Um, but if, if you do think that, I mean, there's going to be more guys sent back. I mean, this is, as Rick mentioned, I mean, this is a 23 man roster. So with uh, with a handful of guys, uh, expected to return to the lineup soon. There's, it's just simple math. Guys are going to have to go the other way. So um, the good news is the Jets have continued to push in the standings, continue to maintain their spot, even going through that three-game losing streak earlier, um, earlier, you know, la- or last month. I mean, that was that was their bit of adversity, and the fact that they've been able to answer back to go into Edmonton against the tough Oilers team and 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 earn a, a regulation win that was impressive. So. Um, but that's really what a microcosm of what we've seen from this team all season long. When you know when they face tough challenges, adversity, they they manage to come out of it uh, not just not not just alive but thriving. So good on the Jets for for what they've been able to do here over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt about that. And um, you know, I'm just looking at these lines right now, and obviously things are going to look a lot different Friday. Um, I imagine Adam Lowry will be back to playing center. Uh, I don't think though that the importance of Kevin Stenland um, is going to be diminished going into it. I mean, Gustafson and Stenland are playing center right now, Jeff. But I mean, the one thing that we saw very quickly when Stenland got called up was Gus move over to the wing. Um, Do you think Kevin Stenland sticks around and is in the 12, even when guys get healthy and get back, or is there just not enough room? You know, it's, it's hard to say. And I mean, I don't have the answer to that question. I don't make those, those final roster decisions, but I will say this, the jets aren't good at face-offs. And Kevin Stenlin came in. And, it's and they're very sample. important to Rick Bonus. And they're very important to Rick Bonus, a guy who loves possession numbers. So, um, you know, is that enough for Kevin Stenlin to stick around and to, to be in that top 12, to be an everyday, everyday player in the, you know, on forward for the Jets? I'm not 100% sure. But um, when you look at, when you look at uh, not just around the league, but, uh, you know, specifically on this team, not a lot of good faceoff men. You know, a lot of guys under 50%. Um, Kevin Stanley, I believe, is a bit over that. I mean, I think he was a, a full 10 points maybe uh, above Mark Shifley at one point. Um, again, smaller sample size, but still enough to suggest he's a good face-off guy. So I think, you know, for him, he's going to have to bring that consistency every night, like every player in the lineup, whether you're in the top line uh, or bottom. Um, but certainly with with his skill set, that's why he got into it. That's why he. That's why Kevin Stanley replaced David Gustafson at center. Um, that's why you probably look at that those two players um, earlier in the season, and Dave Gustafson would have been ahead of him. Well, I think those face-offs success that Kevin Stanley has had alone has moved him above David Gustafson in, in Rick Bonus's uh, his own mental depth chart, if you will. So um, I think overall, he's going to have to continue to do what he's doing. He brings size. He does have a. He has been able to score goals too in in, in the brief time he's been with the Jets. So um, to say he's going to be there when everyone comes back, it's hard to say. But I also wouldn't be shocked if he is a, if he is in the top twelve. After all said is done. Well, I mean, you know, like right now you've got Reichel, Kuhlman, and Lowry in the top six. Those spots basically disappear when Ehlers, Perfetti, 
and Wheeler come back. Now, Adam Lowry's not going anywhere, but he presumably would move back to his normal third-line center role. You've got Morgan Bear in there, who has been with him. I mean, I guess Mason Appleton's a little ways away, so we can, I guess, maybe take a moment on that. But we're going to find out who's next up after Harkins. I mean, there's Essamont, there's Reichel. They obviously really love Carson Kuhlman, um, you know, who has been a guy apparently they had had eyes on for a long time and he's come in and almost played exclusively in the top six. And I think, you know, the way type of a player he is, he probably is more suited for third or fourth line duty and we'll probably get a chance to see that at some point. But it really is going to be fascinating, even in the short term going into Friday when those guys are activated the corresponding moves that have to be made. But from my perspective, I mean, Reichel was one of the last guys called up. I think he's probably there. Essamont's there. Um, and then we'll find out who's next because, man, for my money right now, Kevin Stenland is certainly one of the top 12 players, and he's done nothing to dispel that, I think, in the eyes of the coach, especially with what he's doing in the dot, as you mentioned. Well, yeah, and I think he brings um... – you know what? We all know what coaches love, right? We all know consistency is what they love. They love trust. And I think what you've seen in a small amount of time with Kevin Stenlin is an ability to build up a trust with a coach where we all know when Rick Bone, when, when players come into this lineup, whether they've been with the Moose, whether they've been in the press box for, you know, a few games or a couple of weeks or whatever it may be. Um, what Rick bonus, do- what Rick bonus does is he sits them down and he talks to them and says, look, you know, we're giving you an opportunity here. You deserve this. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go, you know, we'll, we'll go through some of the growing pains of you being back in the lineup or, or joining the lineup for the first time. Um, but like, don't make the same mistake. And I think what we've seen with Kevin Stenlin is that taking that opportunity, being consistent in his play uh, and bringing an added element, right? Whether that's, whether that's a physical element, whether that's being able to score, whether that's his contributions on the penalty kill. I mean, this is a guy who is answering everything that Rick bonus has asked him to do. And so if Rick bonus is going to, if is going to stay with his word, you know, he can't pull a guy off, you know, who, who is doing everything that's asked that he's being asked of. I mean, if you, if you heard Rick bonus's comments, as you, as you mentioned, or as you uh, aired them not long ago, you know, there was issues with, with, Jansen Harkins consistent lack of consistency on the defensive side of the game. And that's going to, and that's going to eventually, that's eventually, you know, if that continues game in and game out, you're going to find yourself out of the lineup and then eventually on waivers. And so if you're a guy like Kevin Stanley, you got to be happy with what you're doing because you're doing everything that Rick bonus has asked you of since you joined the lineup. Let's get to the blue line for a minute. Um, the game against Vancouver, I want to say, I thought was Vili Hanel's best game. Um, he continues to, you know, as he plays more and I think feels more comfortable and plays regularly, um, we see the best of him. That being said, um, you know, we saw Dylan Sandberg make a real bad gaffe early on in that game and then come back and, you know, play solidly the rest of the way and rebound to the opportunities that Bonus continued to give him. Um, Brendan Dillon isn't going anywhere. I know some people have been down on Neil Pionk, but I mean, I still think that he's certainly there. Um, is this one more chance for Vili Hanela to uh, show what he can do tonight before Nate Schmidt comes back and inevitably bounces him? Or has he done enough, do you think, to maybe change the uh, the depth chart, if you will, or at least stick around? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because I feel like, you know, if you go by Rick Bonus's words about, you know, it's about not making the same mistake twice right how important that is well yeah you hear that from a lot of coaches and you know I found interesting about Dylan Sandberg is that 
everyone's talking about that, you know, those final moments of that game and, you know, stepping in front of the puck and putting his body in, you know, in, in the line of fire. Well, it wasn't that long ago, what, a game ago, two games before that, where Dylan Sandberg might have been the worst player on the team. Like, I mean, there was a couple – couple you know i think he had three giveaways in the lot in, in the previous two games two of which led to to breakaways that if connor hellebuck didn't uh didn't stop them i mean maybe maybe we're not having the same kind of conversation so that's not that's not to beat up on dylan sandberg i think dylan sandberg is you know has certainly you know pulled his weight this season and and you're gonna have those errors for being that you know being that young in this league and, and not an experience in the nhl and that's gonna happen um but it does show I think an ability to to I don't want to say longer leash, but ability to to turn things around quicker than maybe we've seen under previous leadership. And in the sense that I think Villahena has played well. I mean, I, I think he hasn't been terrific per se, but I think he he brings an element to this team that is missing a puck movement. Um, you know, especially with some of the players that have been out of the lineup, like a Nate Schmidt. Um, you know, I, I, I but we'll see. I mean, the, whatever it is with him, I think it's. It's it's hard to pinpoint what exactly Billy Hanela needs to do um, beyond maybe hit the score sheet every game with you know with with uh, you know minimal ice time if you will. But I, I I do think that he should be a guy that sticks around and and I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. You know, interesting matchup tonight with the Calgary Flames, and we're gonna hear from Pat Steinberg and sort of get the latest on the Flames and really talk about that entire season that they have had. Um, because, of course, I mean, the offseason was an all-timer. I mean, I think we could go back 10, 20 years and the amount of things that they dealt with. Um, it was just so unusual. But it's been fascinating to watch this team play. I'll tell you what, Jeff. This is going to be a great test for the uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, you start off this series at home with Calgary, then Tampa, and then Vancouver again. Um, the one thing Calgary has been as of late has been shot monsters. They've been dominating five on five play. Um, this is going to be a heck of a matchup tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. But I imagine just with our conversations that we've just had, there is going to be a ton of, well, many players on the fringes of the roster right now that are going to be looking to have their best game yet to remind Rick bonus or maybe make those decisions that much harder when it comes down to who's going to the Manitoba moose. Well, I think that's the beauty in all this, right? I mean, we were talking for weeks upon weeks about how, how's this team going to survive with all these injuries? How's this team going to, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before the wheels fall off with, with uh, you know, another injury, another injury, all of a sudden Cole Perfetti's out and you're like, is this, is this a, you know, is this a, just a sick joke here or, or what's happening? But um, that's the beauty of getting healthy. I mean, you look at, even if you look at a team like the Boston Bruins, right? When the, when the Jets went up 2 nothing on them, end up losing that game 3-2, that's a team that was fully healthy. And you look at it and you're like, wow, this team, this team is fighting for, you know, when I say wow, I mean the Winnipeg Jets, despite the loss, this is a team that's fighting for um, players individually are fighting for spots on this collective team. Um, and if you look at if you look at who's coming back now, I think this is going to bring out the best in everybody. And um, and the fact that you, it doesn't, and the fact that you've had players playing up and down the lineup, um, you're, you're going to have obviously going to have Nikolai Ehlers back in the mix. You have guys that are that are going to come in automatically uh, and get their opportunities. But I think you're going to have some. I think you're going to have some tougher decisions to make on other players who haven't been in the lineup very long and that that have been out of the lineup for long enough that. Like Rick Bonus said, in, in in his uh, you know in, after the morning skate today, it's gonna t- you can't just expect guys to be off for 
you know, guys to be off for that long and just come into the come into the lineup um, and, and play as if they've been playing for the last, you know, whatever, 30 plus games. So um, I still think that, that yeah, certainly tonight's going to be a bit of a try, tryout period for those guys who find themselves on the bubble. But I think you're going to have the next week or so here because I don't know as much as much as I think you're going to get to see some of those guys back in, in action. I don't think you're I don't think Rick Bonus is going to be comfortable putting everybody in. Um, right away. So I think there is going to be opportunity there. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, when, when you, when you, when you're able to do more than just tread water with injuries, it creates, it creates a healthy competition and you're going to see the fruits of that, uh, you know, as guys return to the lineup here in the next week or so. Well, there's no doubt about that. And I mean, at the beginning of the season or the first few weeks of the season, who thought that we'd be talking about tough decisions involving Mikey Essamont, <laughs> Kevin Stenland, most people didn't even know who Carson Kuhlman was at that point. And um, ah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle that. But the bottom line is it's nice to have some of those tough decisions in this respect as opposed to the tough decisions as to who the heck is going to round out a full roster to play for the Winnipeg Jets so far this season. Just a quick aside, and this is not really a Jets question, but more an NHL. Just notice while we've been doing the uh, the game, that Jacob Vrana has been put on waivers by the Detroit Red Wings. Now, I mean, he's trying to work his way back after spending time in the NHL, NHLPA player assistance program. And we remember the trade, it was a year or two ago that, you know, Detroit gave up plenty to the Washington Capitals to get this young player. And he signed it by five and a quarter million dollars next season. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many teams jump on uh, or at least put a claim in on Vrana um, because it's quite obvious there's maybe more to meet the eye of this situation, Jeff, but very rarely do you get a player that is that talented available on waivers right now. And also, I will say, very rarely do you have a guy like Steve Iserman walk away from a player like that. Um, there could be more to it. Yeah, and I think that's why you have people in your, you know, your respective organization that do their homework on it. Right. I mean, that's uh, hockey's a small world. Uh, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, there was the, the inclusion of the, you know, the league substance uh, program. And I mean, I don't, you'd like to think that that's not a, you know, not a, a reason why you would cut loose on somebody. Usually you'd support those people through those things. So, um, but you don't know what it's at play, but you do know that this is a guy who has had some, you know, has played some good hockey over his, over his, uh, you know, his career had started in years ago, really in 2016, 2017. Um, and has been with, you know, started with Washington, moved over to Detroit, as you mentioned, uh, you know, in a deal over there and has played not necessarily, you know, great hockey, obviously with, uh, you know, with, with some of his own personal issues here, but has been able to find the back of the net is not quite a point per game player over the last few years. He's been, tough to get in and out of the lineup uh, the last couple of seasons. What's the crazy thing when you look at, I mean, he's hardly played for Detroit. I mean, in 2021, after the trade, he had eight goals and three assists in 11 games. So it was a point of game guy, but last year was productive when he was in, he scored in half his games. He had 13 goals and 19 points in 26 games. And then two games this year, a goal and an assist. I mean, he's been productive when he's out there, um, but when we heard that they were going to go with the full two weeks with the Grand Rapids Griffins and now waivers, you you just you wonder what that situation is and why Detroit, of all teams that needs talented young players, might be walking away on that. But this could be an opportunity for another team to jump at it. Uh, would love I would love to know 
when situations like this arise of how many teams put claims in on a player, we usually just find out who gets them, and that would right. be the lowest one on the standings right now. Um, but I'll tell you what, Florida's low enough. Maybe Florida they could use a uh, they could use a talented young player. Maybe uh, maybe he won't fit there though. Yeah, they could use a lot of things right now. Probably over and uh, over. There maybe this you know everything except for nice weather essentially the the Panthers could use but uh, yeah it's an interesting one I, I agree with you I find it I always find it interesting I always wonder how many teams put in for a respective player because there's obviously like this I don't know if this falls necessarily into a you know a hot commodity per se or one that everyone's going to jump over but there have been players in the past where you wonder why wouldn't anybody put a claim in on these guys and so I don't know it will be interesting I, you know there's lots. You know, it's it's it, it, that, it's funny because when I saw that news about Brana, I was, you know, I was trying to think of like what I could remember about him in the last few years, and it wasn't until I I started looking at his stats that I was like, yeah, ever since he got dealt to Detroit, um, things haven't exactly gone, you know, haven't gone horribly in the sense of points per game, um, but it's the game total that hasn't really been up there. So, I mean, this could be a lot of things. Maybe it's not one of those things where you're looking to trade a guy. Uh, maybe there's a maybe there's a benefit to just you know getting a better you know getting maybe a clean slate somewhere else an opportunity somewhere else uh could be salary stuff you know could be salary cap implications could be a lot of different things maybe maybe they're you know maybe they're hoping he clears and is able to kind of get some time down there but i don't know i i I could see him easily getting picked up whether that's uh you know a lot of guys could use a a talented player like him but we'll see where he ends up well the funny thing about it is uh jeff like there's a lot of really crappy teams in the league that could probably use a player like that. But after what Connor Bedard has been doing at the world juniors, I'm not sure that any of those teams are interested in improving their teams right now. Well, if you're in the bottom and you're the, the, the you know, ready for <laughs> you're not it, yeah, taking 5 be, million on the cap. I wouldn't cap be bringing 5 million on your cap and getting, and trying to get better. No, no, for sure. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was glued to the Monday nighter last night. Um, and obviously all the, uh, all that came with that when and missed the Connor Bedard, you know, pretty much, you know, spectacle there, which I thought was, you know, I obviously saw the replays and it was super impressive. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, this is these are the kind of generational talents we've seen in the past, right? Could he be the next kind of Connor McDavid, the next Sidney Crosby? I mean, this is an exciting player to watch. And yeah, if I'm I'm with you, Haas. If I'm at, if I'm in the bottom of the of the NHL barrel there, I'm not uh, I'm not claiming him and uh just because I can, I'd be I'd be doing all I can to make sure I'm staying where I am. So at the end of the year, I'm uh, I'm the, I'm team number thirty-two. Uh, when when the next you know the next big fish hits the hits the waiver wire, you get that big eighteen point five percent chance. That's the funniest thing about it. I mean, you yeah, can be exactly. the worst team in the league, and you've got an eighty-two point five percent chance of not getting the player. And and I think that's good because I mean I don't know what you do about it right now, and I think it's only going to get worse and more obvious as we get into the second half of the season because. He is such a tantalizing player. And the thing is, this draft is not just about Connor Bedard. I mean, you got Fantilli, you've got Carlson. Zach Benson would have been probably a top three pick last year. I mean, he's going to maybe be five or six this year from the Winnipeg Ice. So there is a heck of a lot going on, and it's going to make for a very interesting back end of the season. But for Winnipeg fans, the good thing is we won't be stressing about the lottery odds we can uh, in all likelihood be talking about a team pushing for the playoffs after a great first half of the season um busy week for the jets 
Flames tonight, skills comp tomorrow, Tampa Bay Lightning on Friday, and that could be the day when many of the, uh, those guys return from the injury list. And then Sunday afternoon against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, just on that note last night, you mentioned the Monday Nighter. I mean, we talked about it right off the bat. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I don't want to say unprecedented because we have seen incidences like that happen in hockey, actually, on a few occasions. Um, and certainly arena safety, medical source, I mean, that's all been improved. Um, but I think everyone just still rattled and, um, you know, really, really worried about um, Bellwood Hamlin and what's his condition is right now. It's just horrible scene, Jeff. Sickening. I mean, I don't know how how, how else to explain it. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's... Um... You know, my thought in that, I mean, you, yeah, you use the word, you know, unprecedented. I think there are other examples you could point to, as you mentioned, hockey, where guys collapse off, you know, cardiac arrest on the bench. And it's a very scary moment. But I, you know, I can't remember. And, you know, you've watched it even more of the games, NFL games than I have in the past. I can't recall seeing, you know, I've seen a lot of football games, you know, covering the CFL. I mean, it's the same. Well, and a lot of bad injuries too. But this was, injuries. it was so clear. And you were watching it last night. I mean, they would go, Joe Buck and Troy would sort of, you know, give some information. I mean, I, I can't imagine how difficult being put in that position is at a time no like that. We go to commercial, come back, go to commercial. But the shots, the wide shots, the silence in the stadium, and most importantly, the shots of the other players let you know that, this was not a guy that blew out his knee. This was not a guy that, oh my God, he's got a season-ending injury. This was literally life and death in front of everyone's eyes. Well, and that's what I was getting at. It was that more often than not, it's, you know, whether you need to bring a card out, whether you need to, you know, gruesome injuries or, or tough, you know, they happen all the time in football, right? They happen almost every week. But more often than not, you bring out the cart, the guy gets onto the cart after a brief delay in the game. You know, you do have guys from both teams often praying, hoping for the best for each player. And the player usually gives a thumbs up, you know, on his way out. And it's kind of like, let's get going now. I mean, last night was a completely different scene and, and unprecedented in a lot of ways, you know, for me personally, as far as watching the game was that, you know, all of a sudden you have an ambulance out there. You have a, you have a, you have an emergency situation where you have CPR that's happening and that doesn't happen very often. You know, you, you hear about, I think it was Joe Buck that said that they were, you know, they were pushing on that man's chest last night. You have players who are in tears. You have, guys who are in shock. I mean, um, that was just a very scary moment. I mean, we, we often hear about it, uh, you know, in football in particular, I, you know, you hear it in interviews with players about how, you know, they're, you know, they're willing to put their life on the line every week for their teammates, for their team. Um, it's all kind of cliche stuff, but the reality is, is that that is what happens every single week. And I think the scariest part in all of it is that when you look at the play, it's not this, you know, what you would think is some kind of, you know, headhunting shot or, you know, play that where it's like, you know, you can, it kind of makes sense on why the injury might be bad or, you know, and whatnot. This is a, this is a borderline wrap up play where a guy gets up and, it, you know, is walk, you know, makes the play, gets up, looks like he's grabbing at his, has helmet and then collapse backwards. And you can see the fear on the player's faces almost instant, instantly after that. And so, I mean, to, you know, I, you know, I, I tweeted out a couple times last night. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I don't have, know any way how they would have played that game. And this whole idea about, you know, guy, you know, Joe Buck said it four times, on, you know, on air about, you know, guys are going to get five minutes to warm up and get back on there. And then, 
you saw the two head coaches get together. And I mean, you don't go to the, I mean, these situations are, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all when the players retreated to the locker room because these, that's exactly what you do in these situations is a decision to play or not to play isn't made by two head coaches and what the immediate pulse of their, of their, of their teams are. These are decisions that are made by the league. This is a, this is now a league issue, right? This is an optics thing. This is a, this is a, a commissioner is involved in this. The NFL PA is involved in this. Hell, the NFL PA is involved in this. If it's a, if it's a delay in weather and the, and the delay is too long, too long. I mean that we see that in the CFL all the time where there's a delay in weather, the CFL PA is involved and whether they feel that these players should have to go back onto the field after such a lengthy delay. Well, to watch a fellow teammate or an opponent, you know, collapse the way he did and to expect everyone to be at the right mind to play football. I mean, I'm not sure that the Buffalo Bills are going to be in the right mind over the next week or two here. So, um, and that's, that's not knowing the result of, of, uh, you know, of, of what happened yesterday. And so, you know, it's, it's a sad reminder that this is, uh, you know, it's a dangerous game. It's a violent game. Um, you know, it's not, not limited to just football either. I mean, these kind of things happen in, in all different sports. And it's, um, I'm, I'm curious to see what the effect is going to be, um, amongst, amongst the football community, amongst players. And, and, um, and I'm just, I'm just happy that they, that they made this, the, uh, common sense decision last night. To, yeah. Listen, to I mean, there was no, and I know there's a lot of people piling on and there's a lot of people that love to take shots. And frankly, there's a lot of people, especially on social media that, you know, are, um, they take advantage of situations like this to try to get whatever their angle is. Some people dropping out things about the vaccine. Some people, yeah, you know, it's just, it's absurd. And a lot of people, I mean, I know Skip Bayless is just getting absolutely killed. Torched. Um, listen, I think a lot of those people are just, they've hated Skip for a long time. I mean, I read that and I think a lot of those people, a lot of people were thinking the exact same thing. I mean, the game is irrelevant right now. He literally said it in, and I can't believe I'm defending Skip Bayless, but, um, you know, if you really read what he said, I mean, it was what exactly a lot of people are thinking. Like, the game is secondary right now, but oh my God, the impact of what is going to happen from this is significant. Now, I'm listen, I think we all agree that last night wasn't the time to talk about what happens, but it was an observation that, frankly, I think was really accurate. I mean, I certainly was thinking about that. I mean... So what are they going to do? I mean, the NFL is not stopping. The season's not over because of this that happened. And we hope that it'll end with a great result. But one way or the other, they will get back to business. And I mean, that game, Jeff, was, <laughs> I mean, the fact that it happened in, I mean, this wasn't week three between the Jags and Texans when you can easily, mm -hmm. hey, you know what, whatever, we'll figure it out later on. We'll work a bye week around. I mean, the timing of this, the season ends in six days or in five days now. You've got the playoffs going on. And, I mean, it really is unprecedented from a number of levels. And, I mean, as the NFL said today, I mean, they're not really getting into that. The Week 18 schedule is not going to be changed. But I have no idea how. And, I mean, it really does affect the integrity of, I mean, if they just call this game a tie, the Kansas City Chiefs are the number one seed right now. Right. If the Bills win that game, I mean, there's all sorts of things. And then, you know, everything on another side of things that really aren't tied into football, but tangently, um, you know, affect as well. The bottom line is this. I'm sure we'll figure out more of that. Hopefully it is in the shadow of hearing um, about incredible medical work that saved a young man's life and um and some recovery going uh, going forward so i mean um i just I, I really hope that in the future days we'll be talking about and 
um, thanking the folks that acted so quickly and did what they could do. And I have seen some people that said it's a borderline miracle that he is in the situation that he's in right now. And that obviously is a good thing. But, um, hey, just one more football one before we go. Some people in the chat um, is getting to the CFL quickly. Um, Brandon Banks um, cut today or let go. Is that just uh, Argos going younger after winning it? He wasn't really going to be in the plans going forward? Well, look, I mean, to me, I think, and if you went on, if you read some of the replies, I think this is setting him up to be retired as a, a Tiger Cat. I mean, this is a guy who Makes sense. Was, was very, very, very open about – about this, you know, this past season possibly being or, or likely being his final year, right? I mean, and what better way for Brandon Banks to go out than a Great Cup champion? I mean, he's not a, you know, he's not going to, I mean, he's not going to be remembered for the 2022 Great Cup championship. I mean, he's going to be part of that team, but he's going to be remembered for all the special things he did with the Hamilton Tire Cats. So for me, it, this is probably just his decision to, uh, and I don't know this to be sure, I mean, hell, the way the guy, the way that guy can fly off the handle, who knows? Maybe he lipped off pinball, and pinball said, "Get out of here." You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, didn't happen. But um, I think this, if you're asking me, and you are, uh, my my guesstimation is this is just a, um, an early release to quickly sign a one day with Hamilton. Thank all his fans um, for what's been a spectacular career for the for the speedy receiver, um, and nothing more. I mean, I don't think he needed a you know. Uh, a head start on free agency um, and all the other things for reasons why you get an early release. This to me reeks of, uh, you know, a, a pending retirement announcement as a Hamilton tire cat. Hammer. Great stuff, man. Happy new year. Glad to hear you're on the mend. Hopefully we can both be close to a hundred percent next week when we do this and uh, enjoy the game tonight, which should be uh, an interesting matchup between the jets and flames. And of course you've got a big one on Friday as the Tampa Bay lightning come to town and we may see the return of some pretty key members of the Jets that have been out for a while. Yeah, right on, Huss. I uh, let's. Uh, I wish ha- health and happiness to everybody out there. Thanks for uh, push. Thanks for watching me push through this one. I uh, certainly appreciate it. And uh, shout out to all the uh, the viewers out there. You know, you make the show. We'll have a great one. Great stuff. There it is, Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter, folks, and you can check out all of his fine work in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, we did hit a little CFL there when we were talking bombers on this program and of course curling as well we do it for princess auto a proud winnipeg company that of course is coast to coast but headquartered right here and a great sponsor of the bombers our top manitoba curling teams and your boys here at winnipeg sports talk princess also auto is also where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. You can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Well, if you were cheersing friends on New Year's Eve, I hope you did it with the good stuff, our favorite Canadian whiskey, the legendary Canadian club, available at your finest liquor stores. And, of course, when we get back to IG Field in a few months for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will be uh, back there because they, of course, are the official sponsor of the Bombers in the official spirit of the Blue and Gold. Um, and hey, if you are popping into a Manitoba Liquor Marts anytime soon, make a point of checking out that Jim Beam display and try and get one of the remaining Bomber collector glasses. Zach Caleros, Adam Big Hill, Nick Dembski available with a Jim Beam purchase at Select manitoba liquor marts and uh hey a huge thanks to our friends at culligan water the new year is here many of us making new year's resolutions 
maybe the best one and the easiest one to keep is to drink more water. And uh, when you're drinking more water, you know the water experts are there for you for whatever you and your family need. Culligan Water, the experts in Winnipeg and Manitoba for over 65 years with water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see the gang at Culligan at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180 on the horn, or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right, Jets, Flames tonight. And uh, I always love when we're playing Calgary. I usually jump on with Pat and the guys on 960. I did quite a bit of work after uh, TSN shut down, and then we got real busy here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But it's also a great time to get the latest on the Flames and welcome in a great friend of the program, my guy Pat Steinberg. Patty, happy new year, man. What's up? <laughs> Happy New Year, Huss. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, just uh, just chilling, looking ready, uh, ready, and and looking forward to this game. As Jets uh, have been a good story all year. The Flames are uh, the Flames are finally playing the hockey they need to play as well. You got uh, two, well, one team that's had a great year so far, and another team that has not necessarily lived up to expectations, but is starting to trend in the right direction. This should be a good one tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, now that we're into the new year, certainly here in Winnipeg, the uh, eyes are all on the, the guys in the morning skate and who's going to actually come back to the lineup. I mean, they uh, the job that they did to survive December with the record that they did, considering how much hockey they were playing and the guys that were out of the lineup was really admirable. Um, but it doesn't look like those guys will be coming back tonight. And they take on a Flames team that, well, I mean, you tell us. I mean, it was such a wild offseason season. So many big changes, but still some big-time players coming into the lineup. How long did it take for this team to really come together as a squad? And is this some of the best hockey you've seen them play so far this season coming into tonight? Well, the answer, uh, the answer on the first part is, um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you maybe in a in a month or two because I I don't think that they fully have to this point. They're they're definitely. They're definitely playing their best hockey of the year, though, to the other part. They are this is the best stretch that I think that we've seen them play all year. And that that includes the five and one start they got off to, which was which was really cool. And it was uh, a neat story to see them have the best start and best six game start in franchise history. And it just I, I think that that was them playing a little bit over their skis, and and that was maybe just a, a little bit of um, well, there was an adrenaline thing with some new faces in the start of a season, all that type of stuff. But what we've seen of late, and it started just before Christmas on a four game California road trip, started in San Jose, and they went three zero one one on that road trip. They come home and they split a. A uh, little home road back-to-back where they should have beat the Oilers in the first half, but they don't. And then they go into Seattle and put up a really impressive game against the Kraken. They come home New Year's Eve and they beat Vancouver in impressive fashion as well. And so that's kind of that's kind of been the the seven-game stretch that has really been the best stretch of the season. They're five-one and one in that stretch. And and what's been what's been good about that is that they have they've been able to play a similar brand of hockey night in night out. They look like the same team night in night out. They've gotten good goaltending from both guys. And, and maybe the most important part Hus, is that their best players are finally starting to all at the same time, 
contribute and contribute at big times. Nazem Kadri has scored big goals. Jonathan Huberto is playing his best hockey since joining the Flames, and that is still a long process, and that's still something that is playing itself out. Elias Lindholm looks great. Uh, their top pair of Hannafin and Anderson, uh, they have been all over the score sheet. So you, you're seeing you're seeing Andrew Mangiapane play probably his best hockey of the season after a so, slow start. So you're seeing the top players on this team. Uh, they're really contributing. And the guy I guess I would leave out is that I left out and, and uh, unfairly so is Tyler Toffoli, who's maybe been their best forward or one of their two best forwards all year long. So they're, they're getting this contribution and it's all happening at the same time. Whereas earlier, you know, Early in the season, Huberto was struggling. Lindholm's numbers weren't there, but Kadri was going. And then all of a sudden, Lindholm started going, but Kadri dropped off. And and whereas now everybody is is kind of pulling in the same direction, so it's been good and it's been a nice stretch. But they're still barely in a playoff spot, and they're still nowhere close to where they want to be, and that is in a Pacific Division playoff spot. So still lots of work to do. You know, uh, we've spent so much time talking about the bonus effect and the incredible job that Rick Bonus has done turning around what was a pretty dysfunctional team last year into a team that, uh, well, it's 10 games above 500, looking to get guys back and really poised for the second half of the season. Tell us about the year that Daryl Sutter has. What have been the biggest challenges with all of that player turnover? But knowing that the talent has been there, it really does seem like this has been a process from a coaching standpoint as well for the big guy. Definitely has been. And and he I think his has had more struggle in getting his uh getting his group to where he wants it than he did at any point last year. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Um I think the number one thing that we've seen, Huss, is that they they haven't to this point, and I think maybe it's starting to figure itself out, but to this point, they haven't found a spot for Jonathan Huberto. And and that has been maybe the number one growing pain thing that we have seen from this team. Huberto has played with three different centers this year. He played, he started with Elias Lindholm, then went to Nazem Kadri, then moved to Michael Backlund, back to Lindholm. And over the last little bit, he's been back with Nazem Kadri. And it seems like maybe they're starting to build something there. So that's good news. And, and maybe they found somewhat of a long-term uh, permanent fit as to where Huberto's playing. So that's good, um, but that's been a challenge. And I also think it's been a challenge just uh, for both Huberto and Daryl to kind of get on the same page. And, you know, there there was that uh, comment made after uh, one of the games earlier in the year that, that made some headlines. And, um, and and I know that that didn't sit well with Jonathan and his camp, and, and they seem to have worked past that. And I just I just think that, different coaching style than Jonathan's ever had. Um, this is a brand new player for Daryl that comes in with a very established way of playing. So I think there's been some growing pains in those two guys getting on the same page. And that's not to suggest they won't, or there's a rift. I just think that there's some, there's some growing pains in, in two new personalities. Um, so that's been, I think that's been a challenge for the coach. And at the same time, you know, I think it's been a challenge for him in trying to figure out solid, steady line combinations. And that was, again, not a big issue last year because they found lightning in a bottle on night one when Elias Lindholm, Johnny Gaudreau, and Matthew Kachuk were put together. I, they, they played all but, I think, two periods together last season. And that was right from day one. Well, they've had nothing close to a steady line like that 
at all this year. And, and so last year, yeah, there was some juggling in the bottom nine, but you always knew that that Lindholm line was going to drive the bus and they haven't had that. So it's been a real kind of jigsaw puzzle trying to figure out who's playing with who and what forward groups work best with one another. And then the last thing that I think is, has been a bit of an issue is last year from about game five or six on, they had about as, as set in stone baseball lineup type of um, situation when it comes to their blue line as any team had in the league. They had three pairings that they could roll out every single night. They stayed healthy and you just knew and that, that all three of those pairings were going to play a lot of minutes at five on five. And he didn't really have to worry too much about who they were out there against or what type of situations they were in. Well, this year with Erica Branson gone, Mackenzie Weger in from Florida, still also himself trying to figure out a brand new team and no Oliver Shillington, and he hasn't been with the team all year long. Um, they've had a lot of trouble, plus more injuries than they had at any point last year on defense. They've had a really difficult time finding three set solid pairings every single night. The the Anderson Hannafin pairings been together all year. Everything else has been a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a puzzle as well with a lot of rotations. So I th- there definitely have been some issues and. There's also a lot of expectations on this team, Huss. They came into this season um, with a lot of spotlight, a lot of people picking them to win the division, a lot of people picking them to go deep in the playoffs, and a lot of people saying that they were better than they were last year with all the moves that Brad Living made in the offseason. And, and I think that... I don't even think that it's like an external expectations thing. I just think that everybody inside that room felt like, Hey, we got a good team. And to this point, I think that they have, have struggled dealing with those expectations. And I think Daryl is, is trying to figure out how to get the group to manage those expectations uh, a little bit more uh, effectively. You know, it, it it's, it's hilarious, Pat. I mean, we spent so much time talking about how the jets were going to get blown up and all the players that were going to get traded and what had happened. And essentially all they did was hire Rick bonus. He came in and turned this thing around. And it's very similar to what happened in Calgary the year before. All that being said, the off season, I just have to ask you about your perspective of the flames off season, because you knew it was going to be rough, but from from the second that Gaudreau walked Mm -hmm. out the door, I mean, it was maybe the most momentous and interesting offseason for any NHL team I can remember in forever. And Brad Treleving was at the start of it. I mean, what, what, how do you, when you look back on that offseason and what, how the Flames team has changed from then until now, what stands out to you? Well, first of all, I, I uh, just wanted to say that I, uh, Rick Bonus is like one of my absolute favorites. Now, after after that uh, two playoff series the Flames had with Dallas with him as the head coach, and then last year going seven games and and just getting to interact with him, it was it was awesome. So I I I was really happy when he landed on his feet in Winnipeg. It's awesome to see the success that he's having. Um, it was I, I keep calling it a once in a lifetime off season or a once in a lifetime summer. It's like, if you're a, if you're a sports radio guy, or if you're a flames fan, like don't ever expect to see anything like that again, because you're right. It was every two or three weeks, not just a piece of news because every year there's news, right? So they've, they've re-signed this guy or, or they've brought in, you know, fourth line player X, or they've brought in third pairing defenseman Y. And there's always news throughout an off season. But 
when you think of, first of all, they go from winning that series against Dallas to a five-game exit in round two against Edmonton, and there was a lot of frustration, but still, I think, palpable excitement about you know how, how fun that season was for Calgary. And then you go from the five-game exit against Edmonton into, okay, what's Johnny Gaudreau's contract going to look like? What's Matthew Kachuk's contract going to look like? Are they going to get identical deals here? Are they both going to sign for eight? Um, and and that was, that was the big topic. And then we talked to them on the final day, the final media day, and specifically Matthew, and, and not to say Johnny wasn't. Johnny hedged a little bit more, but definitely was very adamant that he'd like to be back. But Matthew Kachuk went out of his way to say that, no, no, I all I want to do is sign a long-term contract here. And then nothing. There was nothing. We heard about initial offers, and we, we heard that you know things were on the table, but there was nothing. I remember being at the draft in Montreal and, and talking to Brad Tree Living in the team hotel lobby. And there had been a lot of reporting from guys like Pierre Lebrun and Frank Saravalli and just a, a lot about, oh, man, like Matthew Kachuk might be on the table and they're starting to quietly field offers. And so I, I remember Brad wanted to, to sit down and, and have a conversation just so that we could get some information out there that, nope, they're not trading Matthew Kachuk at the draft. And, and nope, they're, uh, they're still very much wanting. And, and uh, the number one priority is to sign both guys. So so we go from that, nothing gets done at the draft. We come back and I remember July 12th. It'll be one of the more memorable days I've ever had doing this. So July 12th was the day before free agency started. And, and so I, I get up that day and just check in with a couple of, of people and like this Johnny Gaudreau thing, it's moving. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, for the first time, like the it's deadline time, like we're starting to see some movement. So as that day went along on July 12th, they were hammering out a contract and Lewis Gross is representative and Brad Tree living in the team. Like they were grinding at a deal all day and it was hours and hours of calling back and checking in. And, and, and as the day went along, they moved closer to the final deal, which just happened to be what Jonathan Huberto ended up getting after the trade. They had, uh, they had hashed out, gotten to the point, uh, eight years, $10.5 million, you know, salary structure, signing bonus, all that type of stuff they'd figured out. And and the Flames believed that they had a deal. Um, and they, 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 they hung up and they thought that they had something done and they were just waiting for the final sign-off and let's get the paperwork filed. And then... They got a call back, however long later, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, don't know the exact time frame, but then they got the phone call, said Johnny's going in a different direction. And and Johnny decided to go to free agency. And so that kicked off. So I remember, and, and I'll, I'll never forget it because I, uh, I got a couple of reports that, Patty, this thing is close. Like I, I think we're done. So I just put something out there on Twitter uh, I, I want to say it was about like 5.30 p.m. or something like that around that time, Calgary time. And I just put something out there. Hey, you know, as we've been talking about all day on, on Flames Talk, there's been a lot of movement, a lot of optimism that this thing might get done. And literally like 15 minutes later, maybe less than that, free Jelly and Friedman comes up. Johnny's going to free agency. I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Like, I just put that out. And 15 minutes later, he, but that's because <laughs> of how crazy it was because it was that 
it was that touch and go. It was that it was. And, and I think that's what it, it's hard for me to buy into this theory that, Oh, Johnny Gaudreau calculated this. And he was just, he screwed over the flames and he planned this and he got revenge on the flames. No, he was ready to resign with them. They had a deal and then it was a last minute swerve. And so that kicked off just the craziest few, uh, few weeks because the next day the flames don't really do anything on July 13th. But then that evening we're like, okay, well, so Johnny going to Philly, New Jersey, and then all of a sudden we Johnny Gaudreau's going to Columbus, and you're like, well, excuse me, he's going for, for way what? less money he's and less term. way less money, and and I think that they overplayed their free agency hand. In fact, I I know they overplayed their free agency hand, and um, they had already decided they're not coming back to Calgary, and so Columbus was uh, was the offer they decided to take. And so you're like, okay, well, Johnny's in Columbus. Now what? Um, Nazem Kadri was still out there, and and they had been engaged with Nazem from day one of free agency, but nothing doing there. And so that was like, uh, I think that was a Wednesday. And then uh, that that following weekend on a Sunday, uh, Craig Oster, the agent for Matthew Kachuk, calls Brad Treliving and says, Hey, also, just um, hope you're having a good summer. Uh, our guy's not signing either. So you want to give him his qualifier? Sure. But then he's leaving an unrestricted free agency. You might want to think about a trade. And and so that's that was a Sunday. Um, and that we we knew about that like you know we I, a couple of us had gotten wind and so we were like kind of without coming right out and saying it we were kind of saying yeah be prepared for a Matthew Kachuk trade in the next few weeks I don't think we were necessarily prepared for it to happen less than a week later because then that Friday night Matthew Kachuk gets traded we find out what the return was I remember Sarah Valley put it out there on a Friday night and I texted a couple people they said uh release in within seconds but it's gonna blow your mind what we got back or what they got back and it did you're like goodness gracious they turned Matthew Kachuk into what four different assets and then the season and then from there on out it's like okay well a few weeks later Jonathan Huberto I was in Paris France on vacation Jonathan Huberto signs his eight times ten and a half you're like, okay that's pretty well, the big fact that they just gave him the Johnny deal too by the way we've got right? this thing ready we'll just cross his name I'll put yours on and to get him to do that I mean you got Uyghur and Huberto signed long-term before even playing a game with Calgary. I mean, it was truly, when we look back at general managers making yeah. chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what, Brad Living might be at number one. And that is sort of, I think, in a lot of ways, though, maybe created a little bit of angst in the early part of the season when things weren't just going so smoothly for the, uh, for the Flames. But the bottom line is, I mean, teams in these Canadian markets, and Winnipeg would be one, the Jets are going to be in similar situations next summer, having to make big time decisions on players with one year left of team control. You yeah. can't get left holding the bag. And um, I mean, I still can't believe the job that Treleving did. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if we're seeing those players making big, big impacts in the playoffs. We talked tons about Huberto, but just before we go, mm-hmm. tell us about Uyghur's season. Cause he's a guy that was off a lot of people's radars playing down in South Florida. He, it's actually been pretty similar to Huberto's, just in the fact that it's taken time and it's been kind of a slow burn. And it was, you know, Huberto, Huberto did not start well, and it's just kind of been gradually better for him. Weger actually came in and and looked very like he was very noticeable from the get go, and then it kind of tailed off a little bit. Same with Kadri, to be honest with you. Um, but 
but I think Uyghur's game is is really trending. And the problem, the the biggest issue that McKenzie has had is that he has kind of been moved all over the place. So they they've had Hannah and Anderson together as their top pairing all year, but. Chris Tanev, who was healthy all regular season long last year until the playoffs, he's already missed two separate stretches of games. So that's moved. So so when Tanev has been healthy, for the most part, Uyghur's been playing his weak side on the left of, of Tanev. So you've had two right shots, and that's taken some time because Tanev has not played with a guy on his offside kind of playing his, his offhand in a long time. So that's been an adjustment for Chris. So Chris and, and McKenzie have had some growing pains playing together. Then Tanev has been hurt when Tanev has been hurt. They've moved Uyghur back to his strong side and he's played with Nikita Zadorov on his left. And that's been good. Uh, and they've had good chemistry together. So it's been, I think that's been part of why it's been more of a slow process for McKenzie is that there just has not been a lot of continuity in terms of who he's played with. But over the last little bit since Tanev's come back, the the most recent time, that pairing has been really strong. Uyghur's game is is getting noticeably more impactful in terms of how he's affecting it offensively and the way he's jumping in and all that type of stuff. He scored his first goal on New Year's Eve of the season's first goal as a flame when uh, the Flames beat the Canucks and he just he looks like a more confident guy he looks like a guy who's starting to feel more at home with the way this team wants him to play the responsibilities that Daryl puts on his defensemen all that type of stuff and and it's not like he hasn't played his off wing before he did it most of last year with Ekblad as well but you know I, I think that doing it with Chris and getting used to a new pairing with Tanev is has been an adjustment but is really starting to rectify itself so you know for for him I think the second half of the season is going to be one where Flames fans are talking about, holy, now we're seeing what Mackenzie Weger is all about. Now we're seeing why everybody was so excited about this, this blue line coming into the year. Well, I'm looking forward to this game tonight. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the forwards. Josh Morrissey's been making all the headlines. Of course, a Calgary yeah. native. And we've mentioned that he might have one of the best contracts in the league at just over $6 million. Tell you what, Rasmus Anderson's in a very similar uh, spot as that. I'm just looking four and a half. I remember when he signed that deal and we spent a lot of time talking about him for certainly bang for your buck. And a lot of fans like to talk about value. We've got two of the best. And uh, then, of course, Connor Hellebuck. And just on the way out, though, I mean, we talked about the defense. We know Connor Hellebuck and what he's doing this year. Um, what's up with the Flames goaltending? Has it been an issue this year? It has been, but it's getting better. Um, and I think the biggest issue has been Jacob Markstrom's first quarter. It sunk his numbers and and has made it so it's been a bit of an uphill climb for his, his save percentage to bounce back. He had, by his own admission and certainly by those who watched out here, he had a rough first quarter of the season. He was letting in soft goals almost on a nightly basis during his starts. And you're like, you're not used to seeing that with Jacob and, um, and, and it just, or, or goals that weren't necessarily soft, but you're like, yeah, you needed a save there. Third period, you needed, you definitely needed a save from, and and I think that you went through this last year in in your market with Connor. You're like, they're they're just he was not the same guy for most of last year that he has been for his his tenure in the NHL. And so you're like, geez, okay, you think he's going to figure it out, but when? And he 
he had a game against Montreal where I don't know if you saw the the video where he was out like in the slot making a baseball slide save. You're like, what are you doing? Uh, it was an easy goal for Slavkovsky. They ended up losing that game, and the, after that game, he uh, he talked to the media and, and said a few times, like, yeah, I suck at hockey right now. To paraphrase, <laughs> he said that a few times, and and. That was kind of a clue to the Flames, like, okay, we need to dial back on this guy for a set. We need to give him a reset. And and Dan Vladar started six of the next eight games after that, and that gave Jacob the reset he needed. And since that time, I, I think he was already starting to turn the corner, but since that time, he's turned the corner, I think, significantly, and he's looked more like the bona fide number one guy. So now that we're into the second, almost done the second quarter of the season, I think Calgary's Vladar has been great for him all year. And now Markstrom looks a whole lot more like the guy they need him to be. So the second half, third and fourth quarters of the year, I think for the first time all year, they're going to be able to truly run their goaltending plan the way they want. And they're, they're not necessarily going to have to um, twist themselves in knots to make sure they're making the right goaltender call. Patty, great stuff as always. I know uh, we could get into Connor Bedard, but luckily I don't think either of the teams that we're going to see tonight <laughs> are going to be in the uh, nuclear tankathon that's about to come going forward. So we'll stick to tonight's game. Great catching up, man. Happy New Year. Keep up the great work out there on 960. And uh, let's do this again soon in 2023. Absolutely, Huss. Great to see you, buddy. Uh, great stuff with my guy, Pat Steinberg. Had a lot of fun doing shows with him on 960 in Calgary. and Definitely one of the hardest working dudes in the business. Um, looking forward to this game tonight. We'll get Remo back in here. We'll get to some of the lines for tonight's game. Some interesting matchups in the National Hockey League. First up, though, a big Happy New Year to our friends at Boston Pizza. If you're not heading to the game tonight, the next best place to watch it is getting together with the gang, enjoying some ice-cold schooners and delicious Boston's wings at your nearest Boston Pizza. Make sure to check out the uh, the new menu as well, which includes my personal favorite, the jalapeno popper dip, uh, the mac and cheeseburger, excellent, and the carbonara pizza as well. If you can't make it out to BP, you can always order online and check out their game day deals online at bostonpizza.com. Uh, a big cheers of the new year to our friends at Little Brown Jug. And they had a big um, New Year's bash at the brewery and tap room and are now all into 2023. If you're looking for a great spot to gather with friends, to drink some of Winnipeg's favorite local beer. Little Brown Jug in the Exchange on William Avenue is the spot. Of course, you can also order for home delivery at littlebrownjug.ca or pick up 1919 and all the great Little Brown Jug offerings at your local beer store wherever you get the good stuff. And uh, hey, a big Happy New Year as well to Nick and Nikki DQ. Great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since before we even did show number one to think we're just about moving into year number three in a couple months. Can't thank them enough. Hey, there's always time for a blizzard. Four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. And hey, if you do want to order a cake, you can do it. Order online uh, on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Remo, let's get back in here. Lots going on in chat today. We seem to be debating whether the Jets need a goon. Yeah, I see people saying that in chat. I'm not here for that discussion. You need talented players. This isn't, you know, 1980s hockey, early 90s hockey. I mean, you can bring in a, a guy who plays physical, who plays tough, 
but a guy who's just strictly there to drop the gloves, um, I think you're his better uses of a roster spot. But I am enjoying, I will say, I am enjoying uh, the conversation that's happening in the chat, and I love uh, chiming in as well at times. So there you go. Yeah, well, I'll say this much. Um, I know a lot of that conversation revolved around Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson isn't going anywhere, but there are 31 other teams that would kill to get him on their squad if they could. Um, that being said, it'll be very interesting to talk about the Jets roster, see the way they look when they get a little healthier. <clears throat> and then, of course, what Kevin Sheveldayoff has up his sleeve heading into the deadline. Um, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. And Remo, Jets a home dog tonight, plus 118 at home against the Calgary Flames. Really? That's surprising to me, Hustler. Um, I'm looking at Money Puck. I was looking at moneypuck.com. They have, like, percentages on probabilities. And I think if you are making any wagers, um, it just helps, you know, comparing maybe their projections with what Vegas says. They have the they have this as a coin flip. Jets 50.3%, Calgary 49.7%. So uh, maybe there is some value. I always think there's value on home dogs anyways, but... Maybe there is some value here on the Jets, although if they play the way they did uh, Sunday, I don't think that's a recipe for long-term success, but they do have Connor Hellebuck in goal. And what we learned, I didn't mention us, what we learned on sun or Saturday's game, two Connors is better than one Connor. And I saw that <laughs> I saw that online. And I think we can all agree Connor Hellebuck is better than McDavid. That's what I learned on Saturday. Hey, well, Connor got the our Connor got the dub along with Kyle Connor getting the winning goal. So um, no, it was a great way to finish the year, and now uh, another Alberta team as the Jets' opponent tonight. Other games in the league, Panthers, the struggling Florida Panthers, um, maybe just what the doctor ordered, the Coyotes coming to town. Panthers are minus 327. The Canes have won 11 in a row and 15 of 16. They're in New York to take on the Rangers. Canes minus 125. Uh, Sens minus 213 at home against Columbus. Toronto, a big favorite against the Blues. Caps minus 154 at home against the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres plus 131. They had their six-game winning streak snapped. Other games tonight. tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me, Nashville minus 239 against the Habs. And uh, Lightning, big, big favorites on the road against the Blackhawks. We do have a little lock shop partner parlay for tonight. Toronto... Winnipeg and Edmonton all to win. Juiced up to plus 450. Uh, Jets are the one underdog there. Edmonton has the Kraken. The Leafs have the St. Louis Blues. And I've uh, got a pretty nice number there. We'll see if we can put it together. And uh, you can jump on that in the Cool Bet exclusives. And Rio, just before we go, I know tomorrow will be a fun day. We'll recap to, uh, the game tonight. Get ready for the Jets skills competition. Um, just... For folks that maybe popped in a little later on, um, we talked about the uh, very scary incident last night in the Monday night or right off the top of the show. Um, no changes to the schedule. Still not sure what becomes of last night's game. That'll be determined at a later date. Uh, but the schedule as of right now will not be changed. That game will not be made up this week. And the week 18, final week of the season schedule is set right now for the National Football League. And uh, we wait to see how this is all going to play out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of implications for playoff scheduling and, you know, just a strictly, like, business standpoint. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Do they go with a tie and give it to, to the Chiefs? 
Uh, I think that would be the easiest thing to do. I think it's real tough to you know fit this game in. Again, we're all monitoring the health of uh, Hamlin, Demar Hamlin, and what's going to happen you know with the league going forward. But they're just moving ahead to week eighteen, and you play who you play next week. Yeah, and uh, one more thing that we should get out, um, and this is a really sad note. Um, Jets 1.0 fans will remember this individual. Former Winnipeg Jet defenseman and first-round pick Sergey Boughton passed away on New Year's Eve. And um, Boughton has a special place in Jets history. He was one of the more infamous first-rounders in Jets history when he was selected by Mike Smith as a 25-year-old Um Let's just say he didn't pan out as the management would have wanted to. He was described as the Jack Tatum of Russian hockey at the time and um, did come here and played a few more years in the National Hockey League, never really panning out. But I'll tell you what, I'm sure he was the last 25-year-old picked in the first round. I'm not sure that'll ever happen again, but uh, um, should just mention that, uh, the passing of a former Winnipeg Jet this weekend. Yeah, I saw the Jets uh, tweeting that out. Uh, yesterday, that's way too young. Us, um, I know it brought back a lot of memories of his time here uh, from people in the chat as well and in the comments. So nice of the Jets to uh, to send that one out. No doubt about it. All right, I'm gonna get some cold effects in me and try and make it through the rest of this day yeah. and into the game. And uh, we'll get back at it tomorrow with um, the latest on the Jets coming out of tonight's game against the Calgary Flames. As we mentioned, skills competition tomorrow. Should be fun. Jesse Pollock actually from TSN's coming in. He's going to be taking part, I believe, a head-to-head race against Jet are the rumors. Really? So, um, absolutely, uh, absolutely. We'll hopefully see if we can maybe hook up with Jesse tomorrow on the program. I, I actually messaged him on Facebook. Uh, Jesse's got a pretty bit, bit tough schedule tomorrow. I don't know how he's going to perform. He's at the Halifax of the Ju- World Juniors. Has to go to Toronto to get his hockey equipment and then come to Winnipeg. For the thing, so uh, I'm like, Jess, you got any time for us? He's like, man, I'm, I'm pretty slammed. So he's been doing some great content at the World Juniors, showing off uh, everyone's dressing rooms and stuff. We'll get him on in the future. I had him on um, end of December when you were away, and it was just me, and we had a great conversation. So uh, he'll be back. The Jets are playing well. That's you know number one uh, Jet supporter, Bar Downs, Jesse Pollock, and he will be at yes the skills competition. Maybe we'll get our predictions in, uh, Hustler. Yeah, well, as I said, yeah, we certainly will do that tomorrow, and uh, we'll get your predictions as well on all the contents and uh, of the of the skills comp. Anyways, maybe we'll get Jesse after the fact. But yes, I can tell you that the plan right now, I guess, as long as he can get here in time, is to have Jesse take yeah. on Jet in the speed of light, which I've missed this year, to be honest, in intermissions. Yeah, we'll have hopefully the planes uh, work out because they haven't exactly been reliable and. I always like when they have the trophy about the, you know, there's actually a trophy involved in the skills competition. So I think there's going to be some, you know, some bragging rights uh, on the line there. And we'll see what the teams are and who's in what competition. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But tonight uh, we do have a very busy schedule of hockey. I know we're all looking forward to the uh, the Jets game as well as some other games like, I don't know, uh, Panthers, uh, Coyotes. We got our eye on here oh, too. Panthers, um, Coyotes, so. believe me. <laughs> I'll go straight to the post game if the visitors win. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. There a lot of games on. Um, a lot of games. I'm int- intrigued. Edmonton, Seattle, uh, Vancouver. Lock on Vancouver. You see JT Miller, his comments uh, earlier this week. Man, that guy just needs to take a timeout in front of the microphones. 
Yeah, his low his lower uh, point production is because he's not cheating the game and he's playing it the right way. I'm sure yeah. that went over very well amongst the psycho Canucks fan base. Yeah, it did not. Yeah, did, did not go over well. Uh, did not go over well. He's not. He's not liked there, JT Miller, right now. So, oh well. No. No doubt. Hey, uh, folks, don't forget uh, a week yesterday, I guess, coming up January 9th is the uh, Bison game against the Ukrainian team that's coming to town, Canada Life Center. Uh, make sure to join us over the next couple days. We will have some ways that you can win tickets to that game. Um, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Chris Peters, Pat Steinberg, and Jeff, uh, Jeff uh, Hamilton. Thanks to all of our sponsors and most of all of you for being a part of us today. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Make sure you're subscribed. And New Year's resolution, do us a favor. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, how they can find us, how they can subscribe to the channel, and hopefully they can join us daily right here on YouTube at 1 o'clock p.m. And shout out to everyone listening afterwards on the podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be back at 1 tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.